And good and good morning. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. It is a very special edition of Glenn Clark Radio as it is our annual college lacrosse preview starting very early this morning. Glenn Clark alongside uh, Patrick Stevens, Mr. Discourse himself, D1S Course, and of course the Washington Post. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am well. Annual except for the year that we skipped. Well, uh, yes, unfortunately, that was out of our hands at that point, but it's good to be back doing it and uh, looking forward to chatting with the area's Division One men's lacrosse coaches this morning. Come up, coming up in a bit, we're going to chat with uh, Navy coach Joe Amplo. Loyalist Charlie Toomey will join us. UMBC's Ryan Moran, Maryland's John Tillman, and Johns Hopkins' Peter Milliman will all check in with us throughout the course of the morning. So lots to do on the show today, but we start early because everybody's got practice. they got things going on. There are actual games being played this week, Patrick, for some of these coaches. Not this one, but a couple of the others uh, have games that are real, that they count as as soon as this week. We'll talk about that as the day goes on. Our first coach on the hot seat today is the head coach of the Towson Tigers. He is, of course, Sean Nadlin, and he joins us first here in our college lacrosse preview show. Coach, it's Glenn and Patrick. It's great to chat with you as always. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Absolutely. Good morning, gentlemen. Always exciting to talk lacrosse. Yeah, of course. It's like uh, 20 degrees outside, so you know it's time. It's time for us to start talking some Spring lacrosse. Spring is in the air. <laughs> That's the way the it goes. Sure. Hey, Coach, great to catch up with you. Let, let me uh, let me go back, if I could, to a year ago. Um, you had so many close games that didn't go your way last season, right? Five, one or two goal games. How much do you look at that and say – that's probably the biggest difference in why you guys fell short of what we know the, the goals and the standard is at Towson. And, and what is the difference this season for you guys to get over the hump in those games in particular? Yeah, they're great learning experiences. Um, you know, obviously some of them didn't go our way, uh, but being in close games uh, helps you understand what it takes to, to win those games and, and what it takes to lose those games. Um, and we were a pretty inexperienced group last year. So returning quite a few of those guys that have been in those moments, been in those games, understanding how to manage uh, the course of a game a little bit better, a little bit smarter, um, should put us in better position this year. You know, our, our competition is going to be strong again, so we're going to be in, in tough games. Um, so expected, you know, a lot of close ones. So, again, hoping that experience of, of the tight ones last year put us in position to, to be better off. Um, with the result. Sean, on the subject of experience, obviously you guys are, are like a lot of folks where you have the option of having guys back for a fifth year if they wanted to come back. And Kobe Smith is one of those guys that stands out that's about as experienced as anybody out there. Uh, just give me a sense of, of how valuable you feel like he's going to be for you guys uh, at the defensive end and also maybe a couple other maybe fifth-year guys or veteran guys that, that have stood out that, that, are, that are back for that, for that extra year. Sure. Yeah, we're, we're fortunate on the defensive end uh, with a lot of experience, especially on the uh, on the close defense and in our goal. And, and Kobe being one of them, you know, he's he's played for us ever since he stepped foot on campus, um, and has uh, just done a great job continuing to build himself as a leader um, and as a as a defenseman, and definitely set the tone for the team in our scrimmage this past weekend against Bucknell, um, and then. You got Shane Brennan, who's in his sixth year here at Towson, you know, in our in the cage. And he played his first complete year last year. Um, so, you know, he's had a lot of injuries, a lot of 
um, a lot of stuff that he's had to battle and, um, you know, with his experience in the cage. You got Kobe, you got Karras and Galia back, uh, Kobe Bars, who started for us last year as a freshman. So, you know, at the at the close defense and goalie position, you know, we need those guys to really, you know, take control of the defense and, and lead those, uh, the D-middies the and, and long-stick middies. He is Coach Sean Nadlin from Towson. He's leading us off here today on our college lacrosse preview show. Coach, um, obviously we know defense has been sort of the standard um, when for your time at Towson, but a year ago I know you guys were under 10 goals a game offensively. How do you get that going a little bit more this season? Um, just being able to have the guys understand how to share the ball just a little bit better. We've really focused on our shooting. Uh, we didn't shoot the ball as well as we wanted to last year. So uh, Coach Musi and Coach Schilling have done a great job with our offense during the fall, you know, just focusing on shooting, shooting mechanics, being more efficient in our in our shooting uh, from where we shoot as far as how we shoot. Uh, we hope that that obviously pays dividends in games and um, putting us in position to, to put more points on the board. Um, so when we have those opportunities and earn those opportunities, uh, that we get it past the goalie. But, um, you know, I think overall too, just having a little bit more experience at the midfield and at the attack, um, uh, bringing in a couple, uh, transfers that we think are going to help us there as well is, um, you know, something that we're excited about for our offense. On the subject of the transfers, one one notable last name for sure, DeMeo, Nick DeMeo coming in uh, from Maryland. Uh, what sort of impact do you kind of foresee him having on your offense this season? Uh, Nick's been a, a fun presence for our team. He's he's a very vocal uh, young man on the field, uh, plays with an edge and, and great intensity, um, and you know, loves to shoot. <laughs> loves to shoot, <laughs> which uh, is, is not a bad thing for an attackman, and, and sometimes, you know, he uh, he forces the issue every now and then, but I'd rather rather guy you know looking to score goals right. than, than being apprehensive. So, um, but he's he's been a really good addition working with James Avanzato, who we had a previous you know relationship with, uh, playing together down at at College Park, and and bringing those guys back together has, has been fun. You know, I talked a second ago about the standard coach, right? Obviously, you guys, you know, fell, fell a little bit short. And, of course, we have to go back to 2020 when, when you weren't able to have that opportunity. It, does that, you know, the fact that it's been since 2019 now, since you guys have been in the NCAA tournament, do, do these guys talk about that? Is there a sort of a pride factor there that says, look, this is Towson lacrosse. This isn't the way it's supposed to go. Knowing, you know, you, of course, had no control over what happened two years ago. But is is that something that sort of drives your guys as you go into this season? It is the standard. And when you don't hit that standard, obviously that, um, you know, that sticks with you. And it's something that I think helps fuel our motivation uh, to just continue to work that much harder, uh, be that much better, refine our process that much more, you know, and be able to understand um, – how and why we missed the mark and what we can control to get back to it. So uh, I know our guys have been really focused on the process, continuing to, you know, challenge each other um, in practice and then be able to, um, again, just try to increase our productivity uh, all over the field because that's kind of what we've been lacking, just, you know, missing, missing plays on the defensive end or offensive end through the middle of the field at the faceoff and, uh, just trying to be much more efficient and more productive on the field. We we have the players 
you know, we have the, the staff to, to get it done. We just got to put it all together um, throughout the course of the season and, and earn some wins against tough opponents and, and put ourselves in position to get back to, um, you know, the CAA championship and NCAA tournament. Sean, you just mentioned the, the face-off situation, which I know has been a, a little bit of a source of frustration over the last couple seasons, but last year for sure, 36.4%. How do you kind of see that unit developing here in the preseason, and, and do you anticipate that being something that's at least closer to 50-50, if not a little bit better for you this season? Yeah, you know, I think we'll be, you know, we'll, we'll be better um, for – different reasons and Shane Santor getting the experience he got last year and bringing that into this year, bringing in a freshman who's pretty talented as well as a couple other options that we have um, at the X, um, but also our wing play needs to, to improve. I think we're doing a better job identifying uh, the right personnel for that and being able to, um, you know, try to sway it uh, obviously more in our advantage, whether it be right at the X or with strategic wing, wing play and, and, you know, getting the ball up off the ground, uh, possessing it and getting it into our offensive end. So uh, I think we'll be in, in solid shape and, you know, we get get to test ourselves this coming weekend uh, against, you know, one of the best face-off guys in the country, scrimmaging yeah. uh, Lehigh with, uh, with Sisselberger. So that's, you know, that's going to give us a, a great gauge in regards to, to what we look like there. Yeah, I hear he's okay when it comes to that whole face-off thing. <laughs> I've, I've heard that. Yeah. Um, that's, of course, an exhibition, and then the season opens the following Friday. Big Friday night game at United Stadium. Towson Johns Hopkins on the 11th will be your first chance to see the Tigers Coach, uh, before I let you go, nothing, you know, we, Patrick and I were talking before the show, rules-wise, nothing really significant. The shot clock reset, does, is there anything about that that impacts you guys maybe a little bit? I, I, I know perhaps there's a deliberateness, but is the shot clock reset something that's going to have any sort of significant impact on the game this season? Um, uh, I'm sure it'll have some, some sort of impact, you know, re- not resetting the clock on the offensive reset to, to 80 seconds, you know, and down to 60 seconds. That's, you know, if you got the lead at the end of the game, that's 20 more seconds that you got to try to figure out how to protect that. So, uh, you know, from a offensive side and kind of game management side, it has its, um, its faults and, and defensively it has its, its positives. So, you know, it's, uh, it'll be, uh, interesting just hopefully you know with the the mechanics from the officials to the shot clock operators you just hope everybody has uh you know has it figured out and it can be smooth where it doesn't really interfere too much with the the pace of play with having to reset things you know stop play and reset things which mm. we saw in our scrimmage this past weekend um but i think it, overall uh, i think it's tough it's uh it's a step in the right direction and you know it's a it's a good thing for the sport very good. Yes. Uh, just schedule-wise for you, it, uh, back to back to a more traditional schedule of what you expect, uh, and certainly not ducking anybody here in the early going. Hopkins, Virginia, Richmond, Loyola, all by March second. Uh, in addition to Duke, I guess that game is supposed to be in Washington. I'm not quite sure about that, and Denver as well. Uh, that that uh, that I'm sure you're both excited and and eager to see uh, exactly how your guys are going to be able to handle that non-conference slate. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we want we want the toughest competition uh, week in and week out uh, to be able to test ourselves and, and see where we're at. And you know, we face it every day in practice. You know, going against each other. So um, that'll definitely the schedule will definitely give us an opportunity on game day to 
to see what that looks like against another jersey. Um, challenging our guys with three games in the first nine days of the season is going to be um, a fun start and see, you know, see what we're made of early on. And I think it gives our guys a, a great opportunity to, um, again, just really continue to, to come together, you know, uh, be able to play some, some games early uh, and, you know, be able to figure out how you need to prepare, uh, be prepared uh, quickly with quick turnarounds and, and lead us into uh, a successful season. And, of course, fingers crossed, big crowds everywhere this season and, you know, normalcy, but, again, not with knock on wood as we say all of those things. Coach Sean Nadlin, again, the season begins next Friday against Johns Hopkins. Always appreciate taking the time for us. Best of luck this year, and let's talk as the season goes on. Thank you for doing this. Sounds great. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Sean Nadlin, Towson lacrosse coach, leading us off today on our college lacrosse preview show. Patrick Stevens in studio with us this morning. Today's show brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. The FanDuel Sportsbook is now open in Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Catch all the action. Get your bets in at one of their 51 self-service kiosks, Live Casino and Hotel, and the FanDuel Sportsbook now open in Hanover, Maryland. Patrick, your thumbnail on Towson for this season. Well, I mean, we kind of covered a lot of it right there, right out of the shoot. A lot of close games last year. They won a handful. You think about that Loyola game, which was really uh, one of those moments where you thought maybe there was a little bit of juice to them. Yep. And and at times there was. They were competitive in a lot of games. Couldn't hold on in certain spots. I think about that Delaware game in particular. Uh, they had a lead, and, and, it, and it got away from them. They were with Drexel right there to the end at the end of the regular season as well. So if you're looking at Towson – I think you're thinking that this is going to be a team that's stronger at the defensive end out of the shoot. Kobe Smith uh, anchoring that defense. Shane Brennan uh, in the cage. Uh, had a, had an okay season last year, um, 51% on, on the save percentage. Uh, so it wasn't so much. I mean, they gave up some goals, but he, I thought he was pretty pretty good for them last year. It so, really did seem like the story of the year is they just didn't score. They just didn't score enough. Right. I mean, they scored 133 goals in 14 games. Yep. I mean, if, you, if you're averaging nine and a half goals a game, it kind of puts a, a, a ceiling on what you're yep. able to do. That math so. kind of doesn't work. But I do think that the, the former Terp connection, James Avanzato and Nick DeMay, you're going to hear a lot about that this season for Towson. I think those two guys are, are in for really good seasons. Avanzato was an 18-22 and 22 guy last year. Nick DeMeo didn't play a whole lot at Maryland, but obviously some pretty good bloodlines there. Yeah, with, with his, I've heard. With his, with his yeah. older brother being, a, being an anchor uh, for, for the Terps here over the last several years. So I think those two guys are names to keep in mind uh, as Towson ventures into that season. But like we mentioned a moment ago, in the first month or so of the season – Hopkins, Hopkins, Virginia, Loyola's in there. Richmond is is no slouch. Midweek game against Mount St. Mary's thrown in there, too. So we're going to learn a lot about the Tigers in the early going. Of course, uh, Patrick alludes to Anthony DeMeo. We'll talk about uh, him with John Tillman a little bit later on. It's funny you, you bring up that non-conference thing. I, I actually, you know, Patrick, I did some prep today. I've got all these notes is prepared. The, is that yeah, a fact? Yeah, I did some prep for today's show. Um, and I actually have on my list of questions for Peter Milliman of Johns Hopkins – 
hey, you get non-conference games back. Is that a blessing or a curse? Because it's the same concept, right? Like, you just look at that schedule, and you're mm-hmm. like, holy hell. My God, are and, you better off playing and, non-conference and, and, games? And when you look at Hopkins' schedule in particular, there's a couple of those sequences that they play Friday, Sunday against really good right. teams. You know, they open at Towson, and then two days later go to Georgetown. They have a, a sequence in in March where they play Navy at home on a Friday, and two days later go to Delaware, who's really good and is right. going to be one of the I think is a team that's capable of winning a game in the postseason this year. So that is you know if you're sitting there saying do you want to get ready for a scenario where you're playing a, a Friday or a, a Thursday Saturday in the Big Ten tournament or a Saturday Monday late in the season last weekend of the season. I don't know if anybody's going to be better prepared for that sort of scenario than Hopkins, just based on those two uh, combos. All right, Navy's going to be next up as Joe Amplo is going to join us here in a few minutes. So let's use this as an opportunity to get a thumbnail about them before we chat with Joe Amplo. Um, Obviously, this was a team that had a very good season a year ago, came up just short, essentially kind of played a play-in game against Loyola in the Patriot League tournament and, and, and weren't able to get past them in Loyola. You know, was, we made that magical run, obviously, afterwards. But give me your thumbnail on Navy before we chat with Joe Amplo. Well, yeah, I agree that last year was significant for Joe Amplo. Uh, getting the victory at Loyola in the regular season, yep. I thought, was a major step for them. And then the next week, they just smoked Army at home. So those are two games that Navy really can build off of, even if the last game was a little bit of a disappointment. That said, they are going to be fairly young at the defensive end this year. And I think that you know when you look at their schedule – it's built in the kind of way that is is meant to be able to bolster a team a little bit, help it get its footing in the early going before it heads in uh, to non or into Patriot League play. I should say. I mean, you look at it, and there's not necessarily that long stretch of brand names. They have a, a Hofstra on there for mm-hmm. sure, so it's not like, and they do play Hopkins later on, but. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily your. There's an opportunity for some There's, wins. Yeah, to... there, there there are some opportunities. There's also you know they play High Point at home. That's a tough game. Sure. So uh, I think that I think if you're them, you know you don't have that. When you think of a traditional Navy non-conference schedule, it has Maryland on it, and Maryland's nowhere to be seen on this thing with intent for the first time. Like last year, I don't think we would count that. And obviously, pre-pandemic, their game was canceled. It was actually a neurovirus that was going through. Oh, Navy's that's right. Team, I had forgotten about you know? that. Yeah. So, uh, so that game was postponed slash canceled, however you want to frame it. So, But they wanted to get Johns Hopkins back on the they schedule. Wanted to get, and they, and yeah, they and did. And we'll talk about that here in a second with Joe Amplo because that was supposed to happen. And, Correct. You know, so, obviously. So from what I understand, North Carolina is supposed to be on the schedule next year when this okay. team is a little bit older. And I'm sure there was a little bit of schedule you know, mechanics involved coming out of last year that you just had some games you had to make, you had to offer up and whatnot because of various, various issues because you played them last year, home and home type of things. So in any case, I think Navy might not be a team that we learn as much about in the first month of the season sure. as they're getting their footing. The story for them might be more Patriot League play. I, I think it absolutely will be. All right. We will talk to Joe Amplo here in just one second. Today's show is also brought to you by Glory Days Grill, where I was this past Saturday before I took uh, my kids to the Towson basketball game. By the way, that was a, a pleasant day all around. What a, what a lovely time my kids had at the Towson game. They got themselves some foam fingers and 
Charles Thompson led a stirring comeback, and they were super into it. We had a great time. But beforehand, we went and got some smoky thigh wings at Glory Days Grill. Of course, you can get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. And if uh, you want to hang out there tonight or you want to pick up some food and take it home, you can do that again, glorydaysgrill.com. Still the opportunity for you to take advantage of some of the items on their seasonal menu. The smoky thigh wings work during any season. That is a problem. You mix in that Alabama barbecue sauce. You've got yourself a wonderful meal. They also have the short rib grilled cheese sandwich and the uh, center cut sirloin with grilled shrimp and everything that you love at Glory Days Grill. Again, glorydaysgrill.com is the website for you to find out more. Um, Patrick, I had, I had I thought before we chat with Joe Amplo here, I had a thought about today. I brought up the rules change thing with Sean Nadlin. I'm assuming that's pretty much what we're going to get from everybody. It There can be instances where it becomes relevant, but overall it just doesn't seem that it's, it, significant. It's, it's, I don't think it's something people are going to fret about. Right. You know, I, I think it's just sort of, okay, you've got 20 seconds less to play with on offense. Uh, you have 20 seconds less to burn off, like he said, if you're if you're holding a lead. Uh, and so I, I, I don't think it, it's going to be something that people are overtly thinking about and, and, and talking about a ton. It's going to be something that gets mentioned, particularly in endgame situations. I mean, think of it like in basketball, now that there's in, in college basketball, the reset when you get the offensive rebound yep, is a 20 yep. rather than 30. You don't think about that nope, not at all. in the middle of the first half. You think about it if there's one of those in a one-point game in the final 30 seconds. It's exactly, it literally exactly the way they think about it, right? Like when it happens, mm-hmm. you're going to say, oh, that's notable. It's a little bit different. But until it happens, it's not going to be something that you're going to think about much. All right, let's do this. Let's grab a break. We'll take our first break of the day. We come back in. We'll chat with Joe Amplo. That's next. It's the College Lacrosse Preview Show. Patrick Stevens is here. We're chatting with the area's D1 men's lacrosse coaches here on Glenn Clark Radio. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com from all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. It's another cold winter here in Baltimore, but this time there's no hot stove to warm you up. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and while there may be no activity in the world of baseball, 
Basketball. I'll still be here every week with my co-host Zach Goodman to give you all the latest in the CBA negotiations as teams look to get back on the field in time for spring training. You can watch us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon for the latest in baseball coverage right here on the Battle Round. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality pro via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. It's our college lacrosse preview show. Patrick Stevens is here with us on a Tuesday. Early start to Glenn Clark Radio today. Next up on the hot seat, let's welcome in the head coach of the Naval Academy. He is Coach Joe Amplo, and he's with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Patrick. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. What's up, guys? Good to chat with you again. It's good to chat with you. Of course, you guys get things started this Saturday. That uh, nice, pleasant 20-degree uh, uh, outside weather game as you start things off against Mount St. Mary's at noon. Coach, I know um, so much of the conversation coming into the season for you guys nationally is about Xavier Arline. Um, how happy were you to find out that he was going to make the choice to play lacrosse? And then I know he, uh, he, I know he hurt himself in the Army game. Is, is he ready to go to start the season? Well, look, I mean, first of all, I, it, it's nice to have him and we're thrilled to, to have him. But, you know, the conversation nationally, I think our guys are um, – they're displeased with the fact that they're not getting talked about. I think they've got something okay. to prove, and I think that's the that's the fun part of building a team. And Xavier knows that he's just one one piece of of a bunch of guys that've got something to prove here for Navy Lacrosse this year. Okay, can you can you follow up on on whether or not he's ready to go? Uh, it's day to day right now, okay. so we're not sure if he's um, if he's going to be ready to go this weekend. We'll, we'll make that decision probably on uh, Friday afternoon. Okay, um, you know we're, we're trying to be really cautious. Truthfully, it's I understand the responsibility that we have with with his role here at the academy and making sure that we don't do anything that jeopardizes his ability to play both sports at the highest level. Joe, Patrick Stevens here. Uh, hope all is well. Wanted to ask a bit about the defense at this point. I know uh, you guys had a lot of experience at that end of the field last season, and a lot of it graduated. Jackson Bonnet's still around. How is that unit kind of coming about, and, and, and just how much of an onus is there on a guy like Jackson right now as, as he heads into his second season? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, day by day. I mean, you know, it's a, it's there's going to be moments where we look really good, and there's going to be moments where we look really bad because there is a lot of youth and inexperience on the defensive end. But when you look at our entire roster, I mean, 
the guys who we're going to count on this year, most of them have played at most 15 college lacrosse games. Mm-hmm. Even our juniors, who we rely on, they've, they've only played 15 games. And our sophomores, you know, last year they only played nine. So there's still a lot of inexperience and a lot of the guys that we're going to uh, demand a lot of time from. And they're going up against teams that, you know, seniors who have played 60 lacrosse games some more with the fifth year and some sixth years out there. So it defensively is one area where there's going to be a lot of inexperience, but I just think overall we are youthful uh, compared to most of the teams that we're going to face. Do you know who your goalie is going to be as of yet? Um, you know, it's, it's down to, uh, down to three. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I'll give you that. Um, there's still a little bit of a battle here this week. Um, we're just coming off a scrimmage on Sunday from uh, playing Virginia and VMI, and we, we got through the film and evaluated it yesterday. I think that decision will probably be made this afternoon, um, but it's close. I mean, I don't think there's going to be one guy in the cage for okay. maybe the entire year. I do think you're going to see a couple of, of, of faces. Is that you know within each game or more like, hey, this is we're going to give somebody the job, it'll be their crack, and then next game we'll revisit yeah. that? I, I, I'm going into it, I think, with um, with trying to just keep one guy in there, yeah. at least for the first game. And then we'll see how it goes. You know, We'll see how that person performs and if there's a comfort level uh, with me and the staff for this guy to be in there consistently. If not, we, we'll, we'll consider rotating halves um, or playing a third. I don't care. As long as they catch it and throw it to our team, whoever's in there, that, it doesn't matter to me. You you mentioned some of those guys that that have only played in you know like you said fifteen sixteen games or whatever it's been over the last couple of years and Patrick Skowniak has to be pretty much near the top of that list after being a first team All Conference guy last year with twelve goals and twelve assists. Uh, what's his progression been like as you see him heading into his junior year and just how uh, how big a piece is he to to what you guys want to do on offense this season? Yeah, he's as big a piece as we're going to have. Um, he's as you would imagine, with the kid who's been at the academy for three years, he's become a more of a present leader. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most impressive thing. Um, he's fully engaged in the leadership and understands what accountability looks like at this institution, and he does a good job of it. He's a great example for our young men. Uh, but specifically on the field, he's playing with an aggressiveness that, you know, heck, we wish he had it two years ago. Uh, but now he's he's seen what it's going to take for him to be impactful as a college lacrosse player, and he he plays really hard. He dodges downhill. He understands the offense. I'd like him to have a killer instinct every time he goes out there. I think that's his only drawback. Um, but when he does, I think he's as good as anybody out there at the midfield position. He is Coach Joe Amplo from Navy. He's with us on our college lacrosse preview show. Coach, Patrick and I were talking before the break about the season that you guys had a year ago, which was very successful. You know, unfortunately, I know the goal is to get to the NCAA tournament, and it came up just a bit short. How, how do you build from there, right? How do you use that as a program to sort of drive you, knowing there was there was so many good things that happened during the course of the season, but yet there's still one more, you know, sort of thing that you got to jump over in order to get to where I know you wanted to guide this program to. You know, I, I appreciate you saying we had a good year last year, and I do think we took steps in the right direction. But I do think, you know, based on last year's results, we're far away from where we need to be. Um, and I need our guys to understand that. And in order to take those steps, they need to take that responsibility and that humility to know that we are far off and play with the confidence that they can, but also just an urgency to prove themselves. Uh, and I think if that gets lost in the shuffle, then we're going to miss a step that we can take this year. 
I think we asserted ourselves in terms of an identity last year, what Navy lacrosse is going to look and feel like moving forward. But now it's about performance. It's about performance in those big moments against really good teams and the ability to win when the lights go on. Uh, and I think that's hopefully the step we're going to take this year, that we're going to be able to compete with anybody on our schedule. Uh, we've got some tough teams, but I do think we've got some talent, and I'm just really curious to see what the edge is like or the urgency of this group uh, as the year progresses. Joe, on the subject of the schedule, how did you kind of go about building it? I know, obviously, that everybody has some limitations uh, in any given year, and specifically this year as people have to you know, pay back games and whatnot from, from last season. Uh, but, but what was kind of your approach to, to, to building this thing and obviously the value of, of being able to finally have Hopkins back on the schedule and actually getting to play them this year? Yeah, a lot of it is just um... – you know, ability of other teams and availability. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you try and make agreements and then COVID hits and then everything gets jumbled around and the unknown of what the season's going to look like. And once that gets tidied up, uh, you know, it's kind of a race to, to fill in your non-conference schedule. You know, ideally you want to play the best teams out of conference that you can and uh, give your chance, give your program a chance to build through those games, learn some lessons, and give yourself a chance to boost your RPI. Um, I think we have a little bit of that. I also think we've got some teams that um, you know we can compete with and um, and grow and learn from. With a young roster, we need that. We need to be able to be in some really close games, and you know, with teams that have something to prove. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at Mount St. Mary's; they're they've got something to prove this weekend, and then moving to Mercer with a young coach and a young staff and in their conference, I think they're getting better and they've got some really good players. Um, getting on Long Island was important to us, mm-hmm. not just for the food, but, but also <laughs> for the exposure. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, if you look at our recruiting classes moving forward, 50% of the, of the guys are going to come from that metropolitan area. And, uh, and being up there for two games was really important to our program. And, and I like that weekend that we've got and, um, and then High Point, obviously, is a really good opponent at the end of February. So I think it sets up well for us getting into conference play. And then having the ability to play Hopkins certainly is, uh, is terrific for, for a lot of reasons. So to be clear, you guys will probably be going to Vincent's Clam Bar at some point while you're up there. I will not uh, give away my secret. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Interesting that you managed to schedule a whole weekend out of the trip, by the way. Interesting that you managed to yeah, pull it well, off. Well, you know, it, it's, it's a little self-serving. but <laughs> <laughs> Joe Amplo with us. Again, the season kicks off for uh, Navy on Saturday as they host Mount St. Mary's at noon in Annapolis. Uh, Coach, acknowledging, yes, to your point, that he's only one part of the equation, but, of course, there is great interest in Xavier. It's been a couple of years, right? Like, how how has he adapted to getting back into the swing of lacrosse? And and what should people know about him as a player beyond just someone who gets a lot of attention, you know, because he's a quarterback and because he was, a, you know, a highly regarded recruit a couple of years ago? Well, one, he's an unbelievable human being. I mean, he's just... He's confident, but he's also humble enough to know uh, what he doesn't know. You know, he's been like a sponge the past couple of weeks with trying to learn. I think he's trying to focus on engaging with his teammates. And, you know, when he said he was going to play, the first thing he asked me is, like, I want to talk to the team. And the thing he said was, he's like, I want to try and be the best teammate in this room. And I think that's really important for him. Um, You know, on the field, I mean, look, he comes with such a natural ability. He's quick as can be. He's, He's certainly gotten stronger 
uh, you know, obviously working with football, but I think it's that confidence level that he potentially brings that can help shift the mindset of this program. Uh, that, to me, is the biggest asset. He's certainly going to be a tough cover for a lot of teams. Uh, how he fits into our offense, that remains to be seen. You know, the potential for him is to, is to be a top-end player, but it's going to take him a while to understand how to play college lacrosse. You know, he grew up where, you know, playing for sure on Winning River, most of the time it was give 24 the ball and everybody uh, right. sure Clear out. Yeah. room to run. Yeah. Uh, but he's got to understand how to manage a game and the ebbs and flows of of a quarter and, and a half. Um, so, you know, I think that part of it to me is the most challenging thing. His ability is still there. He still has everything he had in high school and more. There's no question about it. But how does he handle, um, you know, a three-goal run or, you know, slowing the ball down after we've just given up two goals? You know, things like that. And his ability to manage the game and be the quarterback potentially is, uh, is what I'm most curious about. When I, when I look at just about any team this year, I wonder if maybe that, that stereotypical freshman to sophomore jump might be even more amplified than it normally is just because of a, of a close-to-normal summer, uh, close-to-normal offseason, all that sort of stuff after kind of a weird you know, school year last year. And so for guys like John Jarris and, and Bryce and Ree and Dane Swanson in particular, ha- have you seen those sorts of jumps, and, and, and how are those guys kind of sizing up as, as, as part of your plans for this season? Yeah, I think all three of those guys are on a great path. Um, you know, Jarris is he's just his bigness is what what makes him impactful. And uh, you know, he's a kid who doesn't get too high or low, and has always been steady. And again, if he can play with a little bit more urgency, I think he could be one of the most dangerous players in our league. Uh, Dane Swanson, you know, he was fighting injury last year, played on a broken foot, hurt shoulder. Uh, and really gutted his way through a freshman season and became an, an impact player for us. Now he's 100% healthy, and you just see this fire in this kid's eyes. Mm-hmm. He's an excellent lacrosse player, and he's starting to make the offense, or at least the midfield, uh, part of his his own. And uh, and that's nice to see as a sophomore for a kid who's really only played in, you know, had five or six college lacrosse games. So I'm curious to see how impactful he can be. I think we're going to see a big jump. And Bryson Reed battling. He's battling to be in that top six midfield because we've got a lot of talent on that end of the field. And that's a good thing because a player like that, if he's still battling for some playing time, means there's other good ones out there. Probably should have mentioned Max Hewitt as well. I had, I had a list there. I was probably didn't see it in my chicken scratch. So, But there's, a, there's obviously a lot of sophomores that you've got to work with there. Yeah, it's a, it's a good class. You know, it is. And we're, we're thankful for all that. So. He is Coach Joe Amplo from Navy, and again, the season gets underway this Saturday at noon against Mount St. Mary's down in Annapolis. Coach, appreciate it as always. We'll be checking in as the season goes along. Good luck, and and let's talk again real soon, all right? Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Thanks Thanks so much, Joe. Coach Joe Ampolo from Navy. Next up with us here on our college lacrosse preview show this morning is Patrick Stevens is in studio with us. Patrick, we got a little bit of a break here before Charlie Toomey is going to join us. Actually, he's going to come in the studio and hang out with us because it's a really quick commute for him. It's about all of 20 seconds uh, from Loyola to here. So we say, hey, we'd like it if you stopped by and said hello. Um, before we do that, I'd like to talk about some of the big national stories mm-hmm. uh, coming into this year. And... 
it, is Syracuse the biggest national story in college lacrosse coming into the 2022 season? It, it might be. I mean, like uh, in a in a kind of superficial way, it, it is in the sense that. Uh, you know, here it is, 20 years after everybody thought Gary Gate was going to be a Division One men's lacrosse coach, yep. a little bit closer to here than Syracuse, mm-hmm. uh, and he takes over at his alma mater, had a great run as the women's coach uh, up in central New York. Dave Petromala, the defensive coordinator, you see those press conferences or those pictures from him at practice wearing orange. It's very weird, blue. right? It is very, it weird. is very, very, very jarring to see that. Uh, so you basically have a dream team of two of the, you know, what five best players of all time? Mm-hmm. Two of the te- two of the ten best players of all time. I, I, I'm probably cheating them by saying oh, ten. But, oh yeah, I think but, it's but, more, way definitely but, more but like I mean, five. I mean, right, I, mean, it's, yeah. I mean, we're talking Rushmore type of mm-hmm. type of a scenario here. And Dave Petromala, obviously an accomplished head coach in his own right, and you get the sense that he's basically in charge of the defense up there. And, and Gate is going to be a guy that. Uh, comes in and, and has a, a fair number of pieces to work with. You know, watching them last year, their big problem was at the defensive end. They just kept getting bombed, giving up. You have 17, I think it was, in the NCAA tournament uh, to Georgetown. I uh, feel like they, they gave up 20 a couple times. I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact numbers, but, but defensively, they had all sorts of problems last season. But the offensive pieces were actually pretty good they didn't entirely fit together great the the chase scanlon situation did them no favors whatsoever uh but i think that they're going to be uh a little more dialed in and certainly if dave petromala has anything to do with it more buttoned up on defense because that's uh that and i'm sure for him there's a there's an incentive after the way things ended at Hopkins sure. and the the defenses in his last couple of years were not up to the standards that that he's had. So I think that uh, that there's certainly going to be a lot of curiosity as to how that situation works out. I don't know if there's enough up there for them to suddenly go from being a team that got bombed out of the first round to making a final four. I mean, they had they had enough problems last year that it's going it's there's a pretty big gap to between where they were in late May last season and where they want to be. Uh, at the same time, if you're a Syracuse fan and you've just had a decade plus where you've been to one final four. They won the back-to-back titles in 08 and 09 and since then they've made one final four. Uh, and that was a, a in 2013, I believe it was. They lost to Duke in Philadelphia in the championship game. Uh, you got to be excited just to have sure. something different, change of pace, and those two names. Uh, and Gary Gate, an accomplished coach. Uh, Dave Petromala, an accomplished coach. It's not just simply that it's not a situation where you're bringing in a program legend and just saying roll the ball out. Right. I mean, these are right. this is this is serious stuff. Uh, so I, I definitely think they are going to bear monitoring. I don't know if that's what we're going to be talking about the last two Come weekends, May, of, right. last two you. weekends of the season. That in mind, Virginia is still quite loaded. <sighs> yes, Virginia is quite loaded, um, and uh, I know some people would argue that Connor Schellenberger, after his monster, uh, uh, his monster postseason, should be the preseason player of the year. You know, I, I certainly got a little bit of flack from that from a friend or two from down in Charlottesville. Okay. Uh, you know, I think I had I picked Chris Gray from North Carolina, one of the two returning Tawaraton winners. But let's be serious, like. Virginia has two number ones in Matt Moore and Connor Schellenberger. They have another loaded recruiting class coming in. They found themselves at the defensive end. They have a formula that works. They've won eight 
consecutive NCAA tournament games. That's not an easy thing to do, even if there was a two-year gap between them. Uh, and, and the Lars Tiffany approach has really, really settled in down there. And so if they're not if they're not the the preseason favorite, they're one A. Yeah. And, and I think Maryland would be the other team that's there. I think Virginia has lost. Uh, certainly, some pieces like an Ian Laviano has graduated. Uh, Jared Connors, the long stick midfielder, really, really valuable player. Uh, and when you think about how the Lars Tiffany system works, and Sean Kerwin, the offensive coordinator down there, coming from Tufts, plugging it in at Brown, and now at Virginia. Uh, you know the, the positions that are most important: face off, get the ball; long stick, create havoc; goalie, make stops and get outlets. And so they have a face off guy that's back in Petey Lasala, who's fabulous, it's quite good. He, he's he, he's not Mike Sisselberger, but he's the next yep. best. He's the next yep. best thing. He's not he's not you know quite an 80, 75, 80 percent guy, but he's really good. But the long stick midfielder spot is open. Jared Connors was just insane in terms of the amount of workload that he had. That's something that, that Lars and I talked about uh, late in the fall was just, you know, his, his replacements are like, how did he take all these runs, you know? Uh, and then in goal, Alex Rode, who turned out to be a really big game goalie, uh, one to help, help them win two national titles and played his best in May. He has graduated and moved on. So uh, looks looks like a freshman is going to be in the cage okay. for Virginia. Uh, and Lars uh, has told me, you know, normally you'd say maybe that's cause for concern, but this dude's like, basically already settled in so you know i think virginia not just uh, you know not just in good position to be sitting there knocking on the door come this year in east hartford uh, but they're set up pretty well to to be a factor moving forward year after year all right save maryland and loyola because i'll come Mm -hmm. back there in a second the other biggest to you national storylines coming into this season other big national storylines uh i would i would say you know What's Duke gonna do? You mm-hmm. know, is this? Are we going to see that sort of emergence of Brennan O'Neill, who was really good as a freshman, but that was still Michael Sowers was the the center of attention on that Duke team. It was weird with Duke. You know, they went like thirteen and three last year, right? And you just, you know, it's it's silly to sit there and say a team that went thirteen and three and made the semifinals had a disappointing season. So I'm not going to say that. But you kept thinking they could. Isn't there more here? Mm. And there just wasn't. Like mm-hmm. they were just they were a really good team that won a bunch of close games and they'd added a bunch of big names and they threw them together and, and it wasn't quite as potent as everybody expected it to be. You know, I think, you know, the sour sours didn't fit their system maybe as, as well as a lot of people thought he was going to. Brennan O'Neill very much fits their system, and I think that they're probably going to be built a lot around him. Obviously they're very midfield driven as well, and the Kai Montgomery back for his fifth season. Uh they're going to be there. Like they, they are there. He played football too, correct? He did play yeah. football, yes. And so, you know, they're going to be there. The question is, is do they do they figure it out? You know, it's weird. You know, it's now been it's it'll be eight years now since, wow. they, since wow. they won the national title. Boy. You know, and but they're there every year, right? You know? Of course. Like yes. I mean, you're not. It's not like it's not like they just disappeared or anything. And and so you feel like there's another one floating around out there. Right, like it, it feels like they're gonna bust back through here at some point and win another championship, and this this very well may be the year. I mean, from talking to people around the sport, there's a sense that okay, your top three, Maryland, Virginia, Duke, however you want to scramble mm-hmm. them, that's your top three. 
and then you know it's your guess is as good as mine for for anybody else. So let, let's cover a couple uh, quickly, and then I'll come back to Maryland mm-hmm. Loyola. Um, the return of the Ivy League. The return of the season. Ivy League. Today's the first day of Ivy League practice. You know, it's great. You know, um, you know, I think. I think when you look at the top of that league, it's really interesting. You know, Yale was so good for so long and kept incrementally getting better. Like Yale isn't a, like an out of nowhere type of thing. They just kept getting a little bit better each season. Won a title in eighteen, made the final in nineteen. They obviously had a lot of guys transfer out uh, to be able to use their final year, but they also had a bunch of guys withdraw to preserve their Ivy League eligibility eligibility so you know Andy Shea had one player on campus last spring uh so but they have a, they also have a new field house uh which is essentially uh uh maybe better than what we see over wow oh, yeah okay like it's 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 wow it's pretty it's pre- it's pretty legit so you know they're good you know Penn is a program that uh th- that we saw a breakout season from in 2019 and they've still got a lot of good pieces Sam Handley might be the best midfielder in the country I mean he was a first team all-american as a freshman and we've barely seen him the last two years he's played one game the last two seasons so you know the sense that I get is that he is ready to have a monster season for the Quakers, and then Cornell, uh, a team that uh, you know lost its coach. You know Peter Milliman comes to Hopkins, so they they have not only not played since the pandemic started, but they have a coach that's been on the job for nearly two years and hasn't coached a game. So it's great to have that zero in the loss column. Connor Buzik, the uh, uh, former midfielder for the Big Red, uh, in the middle of the last decade. So they went young, promoted an assistant, but a guy that understands that sort of rugged, uh, resilient Cornell legacy, that, 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 that culture up there. And so those three teams, plus Brown, plus Princeton, you know, we saw Dartmouth starting to get better a couple of years ago, Harvard under Jerry Byrne. I, I think the Ivy League is going to be back in full force this season, and we'll hear from a number of those teams by the time May rolls around. All right, now let's talk about you trying to find a team outside of those. It, Patrick Stevens is with us. It's a college lacrosse preview show this morning. Trying to find a team outside of those three that you mm-hmm. identified. Georgetown would Georgetown. seem to be the one that mm-hmm. would jump out. Is that is that the the biggest national title threat outside of those two three teams? Yeah, I, I I would say I would say first of first of all, if you put me on the spot to say who's maybe built, it's it's Loyola or Georgetown. Okay. Loyola because they're so old, and we'll get to them yep. in a minute. Uh, Georgetown because defensively they're they're gonna be really stout. They've got the national goalie of the year back in Owen McElroy. Will Bowen, the North Carolina transfer. He transferred not because he wanted he was unhappy or anything. He transferred because he had graduated in three years and the graduate program he wanted wasn't available okay. except at basically two Division One schools. So Georgetown won the lottery getting this guy right. to show up because he would have stayed in Chapel Hill otherwise. Uh, so Will Bowen, really bright analytical guy and also a first team All American, it should be said. He's one of those guys, like Kevin Warren said after the after they lost to Virginia in the quarterfinals last year, that Virginia had a bunch of velociraptors on defense. Well, Will Bowen's a velociraptor. Okay. Okay. So okay. he's a big, rangy dude. And so you throw him in there with Gibson Smith, uh, a return. And it feels like he's been there forever. Like Kevin has joked that. Basically, but it kind of feels like everybody in college lacrosse has been there forever. At yeah, this point, but this, this is this is this is one of those guys that really does feel like okay. he's been, like maybe to a greater degree. Uh, so they have they have a lot of answers all over the place. Offensively, they're a little bit of a mirror of Maryland, right? Like they had a guy that sort of galvanizing program figure for Maryland. It was Jared Bernhardt yep. for for Georgetown, Jake Carraway, uh, who's graduated. But almost all the other pieces are back, and so that T.J. Haley on attack is going to get a little more attention. Graham Bundy 
out of the midfield. Uh, Dylan Hess was a dude that basically was running around defenders like they were traffic cones in the NCAA tournament against Syracuse. Now, the big question for Georgetown is they got through to the quarterfinals for the first time in a long while last year. Last year was the first time in 14 years that they had made the quarterfinals. Can they use that experience? And it was not a fun experience getting railroaded by by Virginia. Sure. Their faceoff guy got yep. hurt on the, on yeah, the it was, in the first 30 seconds, yep. and the game was basically over in the first quarter. You know, does that is that something that really propels them and sort of nudges them forward? Is that something that is a growth moment, or does that kind of become what it was for Georgetown in the middle of the aughts, which was that sort of like your where you top out? So they're they're somebody that's worth watching, and let's mention North Carolina Notre Dame in there too, because they do have they they each have a Tuaraton finalist back. Chris sure. Gray at North Carolina, they have to rebuild that ancient midfield of theirs uh, that was full of fifth year guys. I mean, Justin Anderson was twenty five years old and was you know you know he had a kid, was married, all this other stuff. So uh, you know he um or that team I think has some issues to sort of sort out early on, but Chris Gray is going to be able to provide a lot of answers. And Notre Dame, you know, they've got a, they've got a Kavanaugh. Pat Kavanaugh uh, really had a breakout season last year for them. So they've got that answer, and they've got the answer in the cage with a second-team All-American in Liam Entman. So can they figure out, in particular, the face-off piece of the equation? They had two guys that were really fabulous, Leonard and Gallagher. Gallagher was a guy that had been at Penn uh, for their quarterfinalist appearance in 2019. In, or 2019. So, uh, can they figure out the face-off piece of it? Th- both of those teams, I think, will be variables when all is said and done this season. All right. Now, uh, quickly uh, before we, it, it is by the way official. Tom Brady has made his retirement official this morning, which ends that drama of the last. It was very absurd the way this went over the last few days. But he did make it official this morning. In past years, it would have been something we probably would have talked about with Dave Petromala during the course of this program, but. Uh, Dave, of course, no longer the coach at Johns Hopkins and won't be joining us during the preview show. I, I've got nothing more to say about it, and I'm sure it'll be something we'll talk about the rest of the week. But it is now official. Tom Brady, uh, on his own social, has announced that he is retired from football. So there's the end of that. Now, let's go to the two teams here locally that appear to be threats to win the national championship. Mm-hmm. And we'll start with Maryland because you know, we'll, we'll try mm-hmm. to lead Loyola into the conversation we have with Charlie Toomey. Um, the big storyline, we've already referenced it a couple times, Jared Bernhardt was the best player in the country a year ago, was a marvel, went on, won a national championship playing football at Ferris State this year. He's gone. But this is still Maryland. They are still loaded. Everywhere you look, there is talent. There is every reason to believe that they are a threat to win the national championship again this year. The, the conversation that I had with, with John Tillman at the end of the fall was, okay, Superman's gone, but all the super friends are still around. Right. You know, like, okay. So... Logan Wisnoskis had about the quietest seventy-point season you it's could amazing, possibly isn't imagine it, right? this year. Okay, and so he is a very businesslike fellow, and you know I, I can see him. Obviously, he benefited from having Jared Bernhardt around, but he's really good too. He's a six-year guy, so you you've got another one of these graybeards essentially that that's going to be sort of the center of attention. But they've still got Bubba Fairman, and they've still got Kyle Long, and they've still got Anthony DeMeo. And you know they they've they added Keegan Kahn from Villanova. They added Jonathan Donville, the first pick in the indoor league draft mm-hmm. from Cornell. Um, by the way, Jonathan Donville comes to College Park specifically to I, get a I master's program yeah. in journalism. Yeah, okay. How about that? So I think this is one of the rare times where coaches right. would be happy about, about journalism. Journalist. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, that's a good point. So um, you know they are. Um, 
they they still have a ton of pieces defensively. Brett Maycar's back, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Logan McNaney's back. Uh, you know, Matt Rahill's back. I mean, it, all these dudes are back. They're they're strong in the defensive midfield. And we'll get into it more with John Tillman in a little bit. Uh, you know, can their faceoff situation get a little bit better? I I think that's maybe the big question for them. It, it seems to be a common thread for a lot of the teams we're talking about today. Uh, but there's a lot of answers there, and I think that. When you look at the rest of the Big Ten, there's a lot of questions pretty much everywhere other than Rutgers. I think Hopkins is going to be good, mm-hmm. um, but they still went four and nine last year. They, but they were close to top ten good by the time the season ended. You know, Ohio State, Penn State, they've got questions after you know down years that were partially caused by having a conference only schedule. Sure, but you know, Penn State was also replacing Grant Ament. Yeah, that's, that's a that, lot. That, that, right. that, that, that yep. was a variable, you know. Ohio State never seemed quite right last season. Uh, and then Michigan is is continuing to improve. We saw that when they came to Homewood and won. Uh, that we saw that in the Big Ten tournament when they when they won a game at Ohio State. So, but I think besides besides Rutgers, which added an influx of transfers and is going to be a bear because of it, uh, among those guys, uh, Mitch Barlow, who had been at Penn, uh, as, as a guy that, that's just going to really help them out after having lost so much of their attack to graduation. Those guys that had also, same similar theme, right? Been there forever. Colin Kirst back in the cage for them. But I look at Maryland, and I think they're the clear-cut Big Ten favorite. And some very interesting games in the first month, month and a half of the season, including Virginia in a game that's supposed to be played at Audi Field oh, down, okay. down in D.C. on March 19th. They have Notre Dame in the mix. Uh, they played Loyola the second game of the season, Loyola's first game of the season. So we're going to learn a lot about Maryland, too. But I think that they have a lot of pieces that are going to put them in a spot that allows them to remain in that top four or five pretty much all season. And you reference Loyola. Let's talk about them, because to your point, they are experienced. It's sort of a Jimi Hendrix situation mm-hmm. they've got going on there. They have fifth-year guys all over the field. They made that magical run, came up just short of reaching the Final Four a year ago. Why wouldn't they be considered among the contenders to win a national title this they, year? They should be. And, and you know, from talking to, to some coaches throughout the sport, there's a sense that you know if you have all those dudes – and you're also one of the best coach teams in the country. Mm-hmm. And it's not just Charlie Toomey. It's Mark yeah, it's Van Arsdale stuff, and, yeah. and Matt Dwan, and they do a fabulous just Steve Vakeness working with the faceoff men. So there is a lot to like about them, whether it's and like you said, you got Aiden Olmstead and Kevin Lindley on attack. I, I think uh I think uh McNulty is the best long pole in the country with Jared Connors gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that you know Sam Schaefer having that moment last year, having figured things out. Uh, after getting yanked in the middle of April, uh, gets that great last-second stop against Denver in the first. It was round the of moment tournament. of the season. It was. It was. Ago. I yeah. mean, that that was a forever moment for a goalie. Yep. Like, I mean, that's the, and that was what's something that he told me the, the week after. Like, that's what you dream of mm-hmm. when you're in the backyard playing. Like, you make that stop in the postseason. So, you know, maybe you'd rather that be the national title game than a first round game. It's still, right. but it's yeah. still pretty awesome. You still get it. Yeah. You know, like it's pretty cool. So, you know, you look around at that team, you know, Savio uh, back at, at, at the X, you know, so many answers. And they get a bunch of guys healthy, too. Uh, and we'll get into that with, with with Charlie Toomey here in a little bit, just because you kind of forget about you know that that uh, that you've got a Joey Kamish. You forget about 
Davis Lindsay, who didn't even play mm, last year right, as a freshman, who's right. going to be a monster, I think, for them over the long haul. So there are a lot of elements that are in place for that team. And, you know, they're probably wasn't anybody other than Virginia that could that felt better about the way they were playing over the last month to month month or so of the season last year I would say ah no question uh, right. and so there that has to have some sort of impact if only that you're not feeling like you you were feeling when you were four and four and just kind of felt like you'd lost your way a little bit and you know I think too Loyola is one of those teams that you can look up and say hey because of all the pandemic restrictions, because of the way they run their program, maybe that was a team that got hurt more than most did by having to deal with all that stuff. I know that that's sort of an equal thing. Everybody had to deal with some sort of issues. Uh, but maybe they got dinged by that a little bit more in terms of how they built their team and, and what have you. Not built their team through recruiting, but just built their team through a normal school year cycle, You know, not even having freshmen on campus in the, in the fall and stuff like that. So I think that that continuity is, is definitely going to help them out. All right. Well, he's here, so we're going to chat with him next as we continue on the College Lacrosse Preview Show. Charlie Toomey from Loyola is going to take his spot on the hot seat. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by Toyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Patrick Stevens is with us. Charlie Toomey from Loyola joins us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MD gamblinghelp.org that first sip that first bite start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com the latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue our college lacrosse preview show. Patrick Stevens is with us in studio and now joining us in studio, one of my favorite people and, of course, the uh, head coach at Loyola. He is Charlie Toomey, and he's back with us here on the college lacrosse preview. Coach, first of all, I know it's just it's a terrible trip that you got to make in order to get here. I know it's just daunting every year for you to make that what 30 second trip over to the studio so we really greatly appreciate you the sacrifice that you make making that travel to be here with us in studio again thanks glenn i uh i was just sitting out front with cassidy saying hey you know what i was uh planning the uh practice schedule it's 9 38 I, I think i gotta get over there yeah 9 38 yeah. so what'd you do with the other 20 minutes once you got it here right? you hung out with cassidy well, it's good to see you it's great to chat uh, you know, Coach, you and I talked a lot about the magical run last year. Um, h- how do you get that team from the end of the season and not the team that was going through all the struggles that you guys were going through beforehand? How Are you confident that that's who you are now as a group after seeing what they were able to do late in the season? You know, that is absolutely the question that, uh, that we've kind of posed to them, right? Um, midway through the year, uh, at five and five, as a coach, I was writing down things that were that were happening. That as a staff, we said, you know, this isn't us, right? Like we're not practicing the way that we need to practice, and you know, we're not. Some of the little things, I feel like some of the traditions that we have, you know, partly because of COVID, we were unable to do go on a retreat, go to Sabatinos together, do some of the little things mm-hmm. that kind of brought a team together, um, and. You know, then all of a sudden, you know, fortunately, we were able to get a couple wins under our belt. But I watched the confidence grow. And, and that, that is what we're hopeful that we're going to be able to hold on to. Um, the, what I did as a coach this year was to say, okay, let's, let's put ourselves in a position to go up north and travel early. Uh, so this week we're going to prepare uh, to travel up to Syracuse and, and have a scrimmage up there and learn to get on the road, learn to stay in a hotel again, yep. because there were no hotels until Great the point. tournament last year. There um, were some bus issues last year. Too. Uh, there, there were some early season <laughs> bus issues. Yeah, but, you know, again, just getting back to some of the small traditions, and, and I've been very happy with what I've seen from our seniors. We have 10 graduate students. Um, and so they understand, you know, kind of what's expected, you know, inside, outside of our locker room. So um, that's what we're trying to really preach to them is let's be that team that made the run and, and, and really supported each other and did things the right way. Um, 
So we'll see. I mean, again, it's just getting started, and we're coming off of a scrimmage where that really forced us to have this conversation. Mm. Um, mm. And playing inside, we'd never had a game inside, and I thought, I thought it was a struggle for both goaltenders to see the ball. And, okay. um, and, and Sam was a big part of our run last year. There's no doubt about it. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's something that we're looking towards uh, – you know, trying to trying to get excited about playing this weekend, put him back in the goal, and you know, let's let's just see if we can take that step. Because we have two weeks before we play Maryland. When you mention those ten grad transfers, I'm sure part of you is a big part of you is thrilled to have those guys back for an extra year. How how first off the excitement level and the value that those guys bring, but also you know how much of a process was it to kind of iron all that out and make sure that all those guys were actually going to be able to be back for another year. You know, it's funny, you said the word transfer, and I know that you, you know that they're graduates mm-hmm. of Loyola, but that's one of my big bugaboos in the uh, Patriot League is that we are unable to, to mm-hmm. talk to any transfers at the graduate level. Um, you know, having 10 kids that, that had an extra year um, in our locker room, I feel like Ryan McNulty's been at Loyola as long as I have. <laughs> um, but it just, again, they, they understand – you know, the the expectations day in, day out, on and off the field. And the one thing that I really believe um, is important to us is just how our upperclassmen embrace our freshmen and, and, and really relate to them, you know, the importance of the little things, you know. And, and obviously we've got some pretty talented guys. You know, we've got a guy in Kevin Lindley that has an opportunity to make a run at the NCAA record if he can get 64, 61 goals, I believe, this year. So it could be the all-time NCAA goal scorer, right? So Ryan McNulty, you know, is a is a returning All-American. Sam, you know, in every spot we feel like we've got a guy, you know, that can lead, you know, whether or not it's uh, – you know, Matt Hughes is actually has two years of eligibility, but he's in our graduate program now. Um, and so whether or not it's, you know, goal, D, um, short sticks, Matt Be- uh, Bennis calls me uh, in December and says, Coach, I- I- I'd love to come back. And so that was a short stick we weren't even expecting to be in our locker room. He didn't play the fall with us. Comes back and, you know, he's we're welcoming him with open arms and um, again just another leader and a veteran in that locker room so um, we're real excited about it. Loyola coach Charlie Toomey is with us here on the College of the Cross preview show. Coach you mentioned Sam you know one of the great stories of, of the entire sport last season frankly was was what Sam went through and, and your relationship with them and um, him coming through and having that moment. You, you referenced the the scrimmage and, and, and maybe it wasn't the best day for him but you know, how much do you feel as though he has gotten past everything he's went through and what you saw at the end of the year is who Sam Schaefer is now coming into this season? And and how much confidence do you have in him because of that? Yeah, you know, Sam, in years past, you'd be sitting at this point, right, with, with scrimmages and your first game on the horizon. And you felt like you went with Sam because it was a seniority issue. He would, might have been the oldest guy there. and But there wasn't a lot of um, separation maybe between one, two, and three. And what we have seen in practice is that there is a larger gap. And, and a lot of that has to do with his confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when Sam and the defense are playing with great confidence, um, and it, it's not just stopping the ball. It's leading a defense. It's It's communicating and getting us all to do the right things. 
And um, and that's really I've seen the the biggest difference in Sam's game, you know. But he'll be the first to tell you I, I want to see the ball outside and not inside, you know. And uh, I don't blame him for that. That's a that's a that's a challenge having played that position. Aiden Olmstead, Kevin Lindley have uh, have been standards for you guys for a long, long time on the attack. That tandem, how how connected are they at this point, playing together now for five years? And uh, just what do they, are they going to mean to you guys this season? You think? Well, I th- obviously, um, very talented players. Yeah, they're um, okay. Yeah, <laughs> they're you know, both have been on the field since day one, right? And um, and so, that, as you mentioned, that connection that they have together, um, they just know it's almost like twins, right? Like they know where each other are going to be um, at, at certain times. But the one thing that I would really give um, Aiden credit for, as well as Coach Van Arsdale, is to make and challenge Aiden to be a little more uh, multidimensional. And okay. so at the end of the year last year, you know, we were bringing him out of the box and kind of creating some matchup problems. Um, so he's not just an attackman for us that's going to lead and hold the ball at X like Pat was. Um, we can kind of move him around the field and attack his matchup from different areas. Um, and again, that's a that, that really was part of the flip of the uh, switch for us um, mid-year last year was Coach Coach Van making some of those little changes on the offense and offensive end that I thought made us pretty dangerous. When when you look at at those other offensive pieces, you know we we get caught up in Olmstead and, and Lindley, but you know you meant you have a Joey Kamish that's back from from injury, uh, a Patra back from injury, uh, Davis Lindley. I know you've talked about. We haven't seen him in in a, in a college game yet. How much does that depth you think going to help you this season, and, and just how ready are each of those guys to to be able to contribute to a in a more significant way than in the past? Yeah, like I said, I thought you started to see it towards the tail end, and um, really, a kid named uh, Evan James mm-hmm. coming on last year, late in the game, um, really, you know, took a lot of pressure off of those two guys to feel like they had to do, you know, a lot to to have us win games. Um, you know, watching Patra, there were days that we walk off the field and say, you know, he might be our best offensive player. Um, Evan James, you could say that about a day that you come to a game and watch us play, you know, where the ball's in his stick. Um, we're sharing the ball, and and guys have the green light to kind of attack their matchups. Liam Baton, locally from uh, Loyola Blakefield, is playing really, really well. Uh, Riley C. is a captain for us. I mean, we get to, you know, have the, the ability to watch these guys – develop as a group and and that's what they're doing the ball's not dying in any one person's stick they're moving the ball the way that you'd like to see it happen and um it's it's just it's different you know without without a pat spencer you know, the ball mm-hmm. was going to be in his stick either on the front end or the back end of it you were hoping for good reason of for course. good reason yeah. and and you know we don't have that guy and and i think the guys have have learned you know how to play without a pat right like you still just you have to have that confidence. It starts with somebody running by somebody and then moving the ball, and hopefully at the end of the play it's going to find Kevin Lindley stick somewhere. But if it doesn't, we're going to be just okay. He is Charlie Toomey. The season gets underway next Saturday down at Maryland. By the way, who the hell – What is? It? are you going to schedule the Warriors next? Like, what? what is this – your scheduling is insane. Maryland and Duke again this season. Virginia last year, obviously. And I, and I get it. You're testing yourself early uh, to have yourself ready for the NCAA tournament. I understand how that works. But, boy, you know, you, you're not messing around playing an early season game in College Park. Did you – 
Do you think about that at all? Like, is this really the type of thing that we need to do right out of the shoot? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've I've always felt like uh, playing Virginia was just a uh, was a great opening game. It may yep. be the best game in Division One on that day, right? Yeah. And um, you have your kids' attention the second they step on campus, and you're starting to watch film. Um, they know what they're getting into. Um, obviously, University of Maryland is just a you know. John Tillman's done such a great job over the years there, and um, it's a local game, right? Yep. So it's, it, it adds another local rival, you know, to our schedule. And in losing Virginia and picking up Maryland, um, I still think you have our guys' yeah, attention. I think I you have imagine. the state's attention, and um, you know, it should be a fun one. Um, but again, uh, at, at, when when Virginia kind of made that decision that they were going to go in another direction. My first phone call was to Maryland, and we've always felt like that would be a great game, uh, but we never wanted it to be on a Wednesday for both teams. Sure. You know, that's a real challenge uh, with the Big Ten and the Patriot League. So uh, we had an open date. We, uh, we were able to kind of nail this thing down for the next four years, and uh, we're real excited about it. So it's at Maryland, at Johns Hopkins, then the following week the home opener against Rutgers at Ridley Athletic Complex. Uh, you know, you mentioned Pat a couple times. He's he's back, right? We've seen him in a lot of basketball games this season. Of course, he's just down the road playing in D.C. H- has he been involved uh, with you guys at all? Have you brought him back over? I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's some of it that's personal, that it's just friendships, that he's chatting with guys. But have you involved him formally at all, having him back in the area and, frankly, being on campus as much as he's been over the course of the last couple of months? You know, we're letting Pat be Pat right now. Um it is great to have him back in the stands, and you know, at some point we're going to pull that card out of our uh, out of our pocket when we need to. Uh, but we really haven't asked Pat. You know, we're letting him do his thing, mm-hmm. and I know he's enjoying uh, playing with the uh, Go Go's over there. And you know, as coaches, we are. Uh, if we're not watching our own film, we're trying to figure out a way to find you know Pat playing on TV. <laughs> um, so we're real. We're real excited for Pat to be able to kind of follow that dream. And obviously the way his younger brother is playing, you know, has uh, has kind of put Loyola, you know, back in that position of playing, you know, excellent hoops at the moment mm-hmm. and uh, and vying for Patriot League play. So, um, you know, again, just Pat, his family, his grandparents, you know, what a special group of people. And we're always excited to welcome Pat back. Wanted to double back to Ryan McNulty for a minute here. And you mentioned six year guy, been around forever. We've been saying that a lot today. I've been saying yeah. that a lot today. Yeah. The guy's been in college forever. But when I think about impact long poles in the country, I mean he's he's the first name that comes to mind. And obviously with the way that you guys have played over the years, with that rope unit being so significant, uh, I gotta think that he has to be you know, one of the more valuable guys that, that are on your roster and, and certainly Maybe in the country. Maybe in yeah, yeah. certainly it, Basically, yeah, <laughs> in the country. I mean, just how meaningful is he for, for what you guys try to do, uh, especially given the amount of experience he has in doing what you guys do? You know, it's uh, – and I mentioned it earlier, guys that have the green light, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And, and our, our rope unit has the green light, and it probably starts with, uh, with Ryan. He's going to hopefully take away the number one matchup, you know, the number one midfielder on our opponent – but also coming down in transition and and having the ability, you know, to maybe give it up and get it back and and you know shoot from 18 or or face dodge that guy if it's a bad approach and you know just make the right play and that's what you expect from some of your older guys. Um, 
you know, Coach Dwan does an incredible job of developing our long poles and has over the years with guys like Scott Ratliff and P.T. Ricci. And, I mean, it's not, uh, you know, so now we have a guy that's been here, um, you know, obviously was injured as a freshman and got a year back and then with COVID got a year back. Um, you know, we're running out of classes for him. Uh, but, you know, to know that, uh, that, that he is out there on the first wing of every faceoff, um, if it's not Bailey Savio picking up the ball, we've got a really good guy coming in on one wing of the faceoff that has the ability to pick it up and then push our offense, you know, not just give it up and get off the field. He's going to stay on and, and create havoc a little bit. They're electric plays, too. I mean, the way they fire up the sideline, the way they fire up a crowd, it's just, you know, there's something about that that I don't know how you truly define it because a goal is a goal, right? No matter where the goal is scored from, it's goal is a goal. But it just feels like it does something different to your team the way that you're, you know, particularly Ryan, but your long poles can get in and score. It just, I, I don't know. There's no uh, sabermetric way of explaining it, right? But it just does seem like those goals are a little bit different. It's, it is instant juice. I think every goal at Ridley is a little special. I think there's a lot of energy there. You know, I think Ryan Eigenbro does a really good job with the, don't, you know. Don't say nice things. I think he does. <laughs> I, I have to get that play. Plug no. in there, I do. No. Uh, but but then our fan base, you know, our 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 we feel our student body behind us, game in, game out. Yeah. But you're right. When Ryan comes down and and it's low to high from uh, 16, you know, it's it's a bullet. The place and it's turns a tough into to fire, man. Yeah, it's no just doubt. fire. Along those lines, to have a full house or close to a full house back, I got to think that you guys are one of the teams that will benefit as much as as just about anybody. I mean, when I sit here and come up with a list, like Syracuse would be on that list, you know, right. the home dome advantage and all that. But but you guys are not are, are very much near the top of that list too of of teams that are really going to benefit from having something close to normal this fall this spring. I wish it was football, and you could say, all right, well, it's a three-and-a-half-point advantage to just be at home. But, um, you know, I, I do think that part the way that we've played, uh, but also part the fact that our kids are behind us and you feel that atmosphere, Loyal is a difficult place to play. And, um, and it, it really, you know, we love coming out of that tunnel and, and you know, feeling that energy from our student body. Um, we rely on it, and I think I mentioned years past that, you know, now the fact that we come out of that, that locker room and you look up in the stands and it's not just your student body, it's, it's kids, younger kids from the Baltimore community that are wearing Pat Spencer and hopefully, you know, Aiden Olmstead or Kevin Lindley jerseys, you know, watching us play because it's the right, they're, they're the right type of kids to kind of emulate, but mm -hmm. also, um, you know, kind of the tradition of the program that's really, you know, put ourselves in that position. Oh, it's very much become an event. There's no question from this community. There's no doubt about it. So do we, do we talk about, like, you know, Patrick and I were just talking a second ago and identifying national championship contenders. You guys have all the experience in the world, right? Like, that, you, you know, I, I've heard that the, the coach of the program knows a thing or two about winning national championships, <laughs> right? Like, I've heard that over the years. It, yeah. Do you guys talk about do you do you set that standard? Do you say this is what I think this group can be given everything that you have? I'll, I'll tell you what I tell my team, um, and that is, there's enough, and, and that's it. That's all I will tell them. There's enough that if we play the way we can play and we can develop as a team, there's enough that you will put yourself in a position, you know, possibly to play in May. Yeah. That's it. You know, we don't talk about national championships for us right now uh, you know it's about Syracuse and then the best teams that are going to continue to to get to May and to get to late May are the teams that worry about the next game on their schedule and don't look ahead mm -hmm. um, and any coach worth their salt is going to tell you that it's next man up next game up um, I, I think our guys 
understand that. Again, being a veteran team, that uh, we've got a lot to prove. We haven't won the Patriot League as consistently as we point, would like right? to. So, um, you know, we've got to take care of the schedule first and give ourselves that chance. All right. Well, Gunkel and I are going to talk about it. Just deal with that. Maybe not on the broadcast, <laughs> but we're going to talk about it. Like, that's, that's the standard. That's, I know there's a group of players that, that believe that, and that's for sure. Um, Charlie Toomey, again, next Saturday, the opener at Maryland, then Johns Hopkins on the road, and then Rutgers at home. So a couple weeks before you get the opportunity to get out to Ridley and see the Greyhounds. But uh, you, there's a lot to see when you go see them. There is a lot to see this season. Uh, always appreciate you. Thank you for coming over and spending time with us. Of course, Ryan Eigenbrode, you know I love you. So, you know, it's the way it goes. We just That's the way it works. Appreciate you coming and hanging out with us this morning. We'll be talking, of course. Best of luck this season. Guys, I always love being here. Thanks so much. Charlie Toomey with us here on the College Lacrosse Preview Show. Uh, we will grab a break. Ryan Moran from UMBC is going to be next up with us. It is their annual College Lacrosse Preview Show. Patrick Stevenson's joining us in studio here on Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in home consultation at 410 941 3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right. Ooh, hello. I, I talk in a bit of a different volume than uh, uh, Charlie, so you can bring me down just slightly. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you to Charlie Toomey for coming in and hanging out with us again this morning. Appreciate him doing that. And, um, 
Boy, we are rolling right along here in our College Cross Preview Show. Three down, three to go, as Ryan Moran's going to join us here in just a minute from UMBC. Still to come this morning, we'll chat with John Tillman and also Peter Milliman from Johns Hopkins. Patrick Stevens is with us here on today's program. Don't forget that Underdog Fantasy Football is offering you a match on your first deposit up to $100 when you use the code PRESSBOX. I know there's just one football game remaining this season, but they still have basketball and hockey. And if they ever get around to playing baseball, there will be that option as well uh, with Underdog. And, of course, we I, I guess there's going to be talks again today, Paul. That's the story. They're, uh, the two sides are getting together again today to try to hammer that out. So Yeah, they're, they're meeting again. I mean, Ken, Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellett, who's been on the bat around, yeah. he, um, they don't have a lot of confidence in anything's going to okay. get done All today. Right. They, they, they think that we're still – a good bit away, but they but they even said it's always darkest before the dawn. Oh, there little you go. Batman Ho- hopefully, there, so. hopefully they get things figured out. And if they do, you'll be able to play those contests as well at Underdog Fantasy Football, underdogfantasy.com, or download the Underdog app. Uh, next up is UMBC. Patrick, before we chat with Ryan Moran, uh, why don't you give us a thumbnail for you when it comes to the Retriever? Well, you know, you look at UMBC last year. They went 8-3 and three and had a really good season. Uh, you know, it's funny. They had the, the breakout, you know, NCAA tournament appearance a couple years back, yep. pre-pandemic. And they, but they did that with a team that was the four seed in the American yeah, kinda East. Kind of unexpected. Kind of yep. unexpected. Win a tournament game. You know, still sub-500, but still, you, you would walk away from that feeling pretty good about yourselves. You know, last year with a heavy America East schedule, you know, they won the regular season, hosted the conference tournament, lost in the semifinals, which was obviously disappointing. But, you know, they were fairly, still fairly young last year. And defensively, they were a stout bunch against a league that has some good pieces. You know, you look at that Stony Brook attack. Uh, that's one that stands out for sure. Albany, sort of mm-hmm. by default, is, yep. is you know is going to be able to score. Vermont took a ton of shots last year. And so UMBC was kind of the, the sort of defensive response in a lot of ways in that conference. And so I really like what they have at the defensive end, you know, I think ultimately when you kind of look at their offensive personnel, uh, you know, they had a couple really good pieces and they were better than what they had been. Do they take that next step this season? Uh, and can they kind of emerge from that? You know, when you were trying to differentiate UMBC, Stony Brook, Vermont, uh, Albany, it was kind of hard. Sure. I mean, they were, they sure. Were, they, those were all basically 15 to 25, top 15 to 25 teams. You throw the Ivy League back in there, they sh- and then they're probably more like 18 to 28 this season. So can they emerge from that? I, I, I don't know if there really is a true favorite in that conference, Vermont being the defending champs uh, in the tournament, but. You know, UMBC's got as good a shot as anybody, I think, in that conference of being able to, to make it into Mar- or make it into May. And their schedule not so overwhelming this year as they get back to non-conference play, but they're not playing some of the, you know, the big dogs they played in the past in non-conference play. No, 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 and, and they get and they get underway a little later too. Yeah. You know, they later than most of the teams we're talking about. You know, they play a Drexel team that won the CAA tournament last season, uh, and then go to Mount St. Mary's and Towson host Utah, go to Richmond, and then it's on to America East uh, play the rest of the way. So that, you know, there are some tricky games there. Certainly going, you know, there's beating Drexel, Towson, Richmond, not gimmies. Uh, and Utah is a team that, that obviously 
recruited fairly well as they got underway up there. On to a new coach now, Andrew McMinn hired away from Robert Morris. Uh, so it's not like there's a lot of chippies, and it's not exactly easy all the time to go up to the mountain play uh, on a very cold afternoon, probably, uh, when they're playing in February up there. So uh, not exactly uh, any place to hide, but at the right. same time, it's not impossible to imagine them getting off to a, a four and one start or sure, something like that. Pretty if, good yeah, about and themselves. feeling and feeling pretty good about themselves. And I say that plus or minus. I mean, they could be five and zero. There's no reason why they couldn't win all those games. But there are three road games in there too. Right. Uh, so it's a little little tricky, but. But I think that they're in a position to kind of build off of that and maybe get back to the tournament this year. All right. That's uh, that's Patrick Stevens' thumbnail. Now let's find out from the man what he thinks about his team. Joining us, of course, the head coach of the Retrievers. It's good to have Ryan Moran back on the show with us. Coach, it's Glenn and Patrick. It's great to chat with you as always. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Uh, thanks for having me, Glenn. It's great to talk to you, Ryan. Um, we were just talking, Patrick and I, about the season that you had a year ago, and there was so much good that happened, and then unfortunately you guys fall in the semifinals of the tournament. How much has that fueled your group this offseason, knowing how good you were, knowing you know, the opportunity that's in front of you to make sure something like that doesn't happen again this year? Um, you know, we haven't really addressed it or talked about it too much, but I know it's kind of on the guy's mind that maybe we left some plays on the field that day. Um, but, you know, we, we try not to define ourselves by just one game. You know, it, it was a really successful season. Clearly didn't end the way we thought it could have. Um, but I, I wouldn't – it's definitely motivating us in the sense of, hey, we know where we are and where we've been standing within our conference. And, you know, um, you know, every year we're, we're looking to be competitive and hopefully win that conference. When, when you look at what you have back, particularly at the defensive end, i, I got to think you feel pretty solid about where things stand back there. Gave up a little more than nine goals a game last season. Uh, Tommy Linger did in the cage. Uh, but in general, you know, how, how would you kind of size up how things look on the defensive end? And, and do you feel like that's going to be a strength of yours again this season? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, Certainly starting with Tommy. I mean, we got a goalie who's been starting for five years for us now. Yeah. Um, so he's very experienced, um, you know, which is, which is great. We love him being back there. And then, you know, uh, defensively we have returning, you know, everyone. But I, the thing that surprised me the most is just how much more competition there's been and improvement with the guys that maybe didn't play nearly as much last year. Um, so I, I do think we have a lot of depth and a lot of competition at practice right now. Um, and, and the guys are doing a great job. So certainly, you know, since I've been here, it's been a source of strength um, for us, and I don't think this year will be any different. It was literally going to be my next question, by the way, as, as Patrick alludes to. You had the sixth-ranked the sixth ranked scoring defense in the country a year ago, and it's, it's sort of what we've grown to know from UMBC lacrosse. It, is it fair to say that's probably the brand of lacrosse that we're going to see again from you guys this season? Uh, yes and no. I mean, uh, with with that uh, with those guys getting some experience last year, I've really been really happy with our rope unit, with our long poles, okay. our short sticks. They've been, um, you know, been able to push the ball a little bit more in practice and even in our, some of our scrimmage. I mean, in um, some inter squad scrimmages. Um, so that's one area where we're hoping maybe to to generate a little bit more offense off of um, some early offense and some transition because we got some pretty athletic kids in the middle of the field right there um, and. You know, if you can get a goalie like we have making some clean saves, that's the easiest way to kind of generate some of those opportunities. 
wanted to ask about somebody on that rope unit, Mason Edwards, the short stick, uh, who had 35 ground balls for you, caused 10 turnovers, I believe it was, last season, uh, mm-hmm. and is a, is a preseason all-conference guy. I mean, how, how much of an impact has he been able to have on your program, even if even if the numbers that most people are going to look at, a goal and three assists, may, may not jump off the page? It seems to me he's one of your more valuable players. Yeah, I mean, his value is just day-to-day because, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to come to practice with energy and with, um, you know, elite level of effort um, and, and kind of sets a standard and sets a tone in terms of trying to challenge other people to match that. So for as much as he does for us on the field, getting ground balls, causing turnovers, clearing, doing the dirty work that you just alluded to don't really show up on the stat line, um, from a value standpoint, it's every day we see the value that he brings to our program. He is UMBC coach Ryan Moran, and he's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio for our annual college lacrosse preview show. Coach, you know, on the on the offensive end, you you bring back your top two scorers from a year ago. I know Ryan's gone, but is there a next level that you think a, a Nick Dupuy, a Brandon Galloway, could maybe take this team to, given what we've already seen from them so far? I hope so. You know, it, right now, really, it's just uh, starting with. I mean, anything in offensively, starting with some consistency. Um, and that's what we're looking for out of those guys to be able to um, show up day in and day out of practice and give maximum effort, which which they're doing. Um, you know, but being able to continue to do that is really important. Um, and and I do believe both of those players possess the, the talent and the ability to take that next step and that next level. Um, and we're challenging them daily to, to to be able to do that. Alex Poma is a guy that uh, that basically from the moment he showed up had a pretty big role for you guys in the faceoff game. Uh, what sort of uh, improvement have you seen from him over last season? Obviously, uh, a first full season playing for you guys, I think at 47.2% uh, mm-hmm. a year ago. What's what's the sort of improvement you've seen, and, and, and how much of an impact does he have, you think, uh, on this season? Well, you know, last year was a little bit difficult for all the face-off guys, rules changing, going to two feet, reverse wrist. Um, you know, I, I thought – at 47%, just shy under 50. You know, if we can get him mm-hmm. over 50, that'd be great. Um, you know, I've been impressed with, you know, the, the other face-off guys as well. Dane Armstrong's been doing a great job, Zach Dudley as well. And uh, those three together, you know, are really what's going to make each other better. Um, but, you know, we expect Alex to, to, you know, improve those numbers for sure. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit more of a face-off by committee because we do have some, some talented guys at the X right now. When you look at the league right now, it seemed like last year, and we were talking about this before you you got on here, uh, it, it, it was a jumble kind of, you know, Vermont, Stony Brook, you guys, uh, Albany as well. It seemed like there was somebody that, that you know, you throw those teams out there and, it, and it, it, you could have played that tournament pretty much ten times and, and, and gotten a lot of different outcomes. Do you see it being similar this year, highly competitive, uh, and, and really maybe a bit of uh, guesswork trying to figure out who's ultimately going to emerge from that? Yeah, I mean, it's, I'd like to think it's still going to be competitive. I mean, I'd be remiss if you didn't throw Binghamton mm-hmm. in there as well. I mean, Binghamton ended up out finishing the season really strong. So, again, there's there's no handouts. Um, I do think what's unique about our league, if you watch it historically, is just some teams match up better against mm-hmm. others. Like, we, we've kind of struggled a little bit more against Albany, but it's found success versus Vermont. It's only broken the last year so. But on any given day, you know, I mean, we have two two overtime games at Stony Brook last year, a two-point game versus Vermont, two one-goal one goal games versus Albany. So, again, um, it's like you just said, you probably could play that out ten different times and have a different winner each time. And that's what makes our league really fun uh, and exciting to be in right now. 
He is Ryan Moran from UMBC. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. The season gets underway on February 19th when they host Drexel. And Ryan, Patrick reminded me of something before the show today that I had totally forgotten about, which is that one of the things that, that's different this year is where you're going to be playing your games as yeah. you'll be playing in the soccer stadium while there's some renovations going on uh, to your guys' field. I, I guess surface-wise, things like that, how, how different is it going to be for your guys playing over at the soccer park? I don't think too different. You know, I don't, I don't know. They're, I don't think they're going to be thinking about what field they're playing on when they're in the middle of the game. Um, you know, we the soccer park got renovated two years ago, too, so it's a, it's a great facility. It's Bermuda grass. It's probably going to be a similar track to that of field turf anyway. Okay. Um, but I think a, a change in location will, will be kind of exciting for our guys. You know, we've been to a lot of soccer games over there. Um, it's a really cool, unique environment. Um, so I'm excited about going in there for a year, but I'm also really excited about right. all the renovations that are being done on the stadium as and, well. And that's what I wanted to go to next, Ryan, is, is what does that mean for your program that you guys are finally getting this stuff done now? And when you guys get back to UMBC Stadium, how is it going to be different moving forward? Well, you know, the university's, I think, certainly done a great job of um, investing in athletics, especially the last six years, you know, renovating our activities, building uh, creating, you know, the Chesapeake Arena right now that we have, and then obviously this final phase of uh, the, the stadium renovation. Um, so, you know, all great things for the for the guys and the current student athletes that are here, uh, but also it helps a lot with recruiting as well, being able to take kids on campus and see all these new facilities that have been built up. Was putting the schedule together this year, did it have something to do with where you're playing the games, like games that we don't see that maybe we're used to? Can you tell me a little bit, take me through putting together this year's schedule? <laughs> I think uh, most coaches will probably give a similar answer to this with COVID and then yeah. only going to conference schedules and then taking a year off from your non-league. It was kind of a, a little bit of a disaster, but you know, we, made out pretty, we, made, we made out pretty well. You know, adding mm -hmm. Drexel, who won the CAA last year, we were able to get Richmond back on, who's, you know, historically been extremely competitive in the SOCON. Um, you know, putting, getting Towson back on the schedule was great. Um, so, again, you know, just looking to schedule teams that have been highly successful in the conferences that they're in, that's kind of been my mindset with scheduling out of the conference, and we're able to you know, put some definitely, definitely quality opponents on there. But it was a little bit more difficult than most years. <laughs> Had you hoped to get even one more game on there? I'm, just, I'm kind of looking at it. I think it was five non-conference games, maybe six. Uh, was, was there an extra spot that you were hoping to fill in, or, or is it just kind of, like you said, enough of a scramble there that you just kind of took what you could get? Um, <laughs> well, I forgot to add in the added bonus of Hartford. Uh, oh, right, right, right. Oh, yeah. So that opened, that opened up another weekend that I had not anticipated, and we didn't get that message until about September. Mm -hmm. So it was a little chaotic. I would probably like to have one midweek game uh, added in there, um, which I tried but just wasn't able to do it. Um, so hopefully moving forward, you know, um, if there's another local opponent nearby, we can kind of add to, to a midweek and – get one more game would be nice. Well, Ryan, I can see if my son's seven-year-old team is available for the week if you need. Uh, he's been trying in goal a little bit. It's It's been a mess. It's been it's been a struggle. But I can see if they might be available for like a Wednesday if, if you need at some point during the course of this season. Hey, um, uh, Ryan, that being said, you know, the, the, the normalcy of playing non-conference games, and again, I know we're knocking on wood and, of course, you know, hoping that everything goes right, but the benefit of a, maybe a normal off season and and some of the things that you you've been able to do that maybe you hadn't been able to do uh, going into last season. Have you felt any of that coming into this year? 
Yeah, I think there's, you know, a little bit, you know, things are getting better. You know, last year was certainly unique, um, and it was very challenging on the guys, on the athletes, all athletes uh, for all sports. And, you know, it's it's been a, a lot better this year, and I, I think the guys appreciate it, obviously, a little bit more, not having to do all the testing all the time uh, and being able to play out of the conference and not have to play conference teams multiple times. So, um, you know, I, I, I know from my standpoint, I'm excited for it, and I'm sure the guys on the team are as well. All right. He is – oh, you know, and just because I've been asking a few guys about it, the the, the shot clock reset rule change, I, I'm guessing not all that significant, maybe because you guys play a little bit more deliberately. Is, is there a way that you think it's going to prove to be significant this season? Um, I like the change. Um, I think it's probably needed. I don't know how much impact it's really going to have uh, overall, right. you know. Um, so I, I, I think it's just a – you know, it's not going to impact us too much. I can tell you that. Uh, I, I mean, and it hasn't in practice. I mean, in practice, I mean, we use our shot clock all the time, and we reset the sixty, and sixty is plenty of time to reset and get things, you know, going. And so, um, I don't think it's going to have that big of an impact. Yeah, it seems like if you've already been in your offense for eighty seconds, it sh- you shouldn't need another eighty in order to get your offense going again. That makes a Absolutely. lot of sense. All right, uh, the home opener and the uh, opener for the season, February 19th against Drexel, 1 o'clock at Retriever Soccer Park. Ryan Moran, always appreciate you taking the time for us. Best of luck this season. We'll be checking in as it goes along, and uh, look forward to chatting with you again down the road, all right? All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Coach Ryan Moran from uh, UMBC checking in with us here on the College Lacrosse Preview Show as they get ready for the start of their season. Patrick Stevens is with us here on this Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Um, we, we already kind of talked. So next on the hot seat is going to be John Tillman from Maryland. We all already kind of gave the thumbnail for Maryland a little bit earlier on. So we got a, a, a dip here for just a couple of minutes. Is there anything, you know, Patrick obviously normally joins us on Tuesdays. We typically talk college basketball around this time of year. For a second, it looked like Maryland was going to be interesting there again, and then that kind of came crashing down. Yeah, the uh, the game the other day, uh, the, I'm even blanking on who it was. Indiana, it was Indiana yeah. on Saturday. You know, the game's just it, it. It's amazing how in a season where you know you're just sort of plodding along, and yeah. there's not there's not an end point other than the end point. You know, mm-hmm. there's a there's a pretty clearly defined end point. I think for this team. That you know the games just kind of th- slide together, but did not play well against Indiana, and it was largely because they shot very poorly. It was, yep. the, it was their worst home shooting performance, and it was only a little bit better than the Northwestern, or only a little bit worse than the Northwestern game earlier in the season, but the worst since uh, since 2007 against Miami uh, in a really dreadful, dreadful game. I can still remember watching that one. Uh, so you know, clearly for Maryland, if Eric Ayala and Fats Russell can play well, they they have a chance to do some damage against just about anybody. It's a good tandem. But, you know, Indiana was smart. They were playing the pack line. They clogged the lane. That's that's what you do. And you basically force those guys to make shots like they did at Rutgers, and they, and they couldn't do it. And so, you know, if you're Maryland, you – going to probably expect to see a little bit more of that here as the se- as the as the season continues to unfold and the schedule obviously is very bearish at this mm-hmm. point Michigan State at home tonight they go to Ohio State over the weekend Iowa at home at Purdue it's not a it, there's there's not really a whole lot of places to yeah. hide there uh, and so Maryland one game over 500 at the moment to their credit you take out that Michigan game and it's a team that has played hard they've played hard for Danny Manning uh, it's not been a lack of 
of willing to compete. It's been an issue of just not being as good as, as some of the teams that they face. They don't have a Kofi Coburn. So, you know, when they had to face Illinois with Kofi Coburn, it didn't go very well. Yep. They don't have a Hunter Dickinson. They, 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 they don't have a guy like that that's really going to change. Uh, well, Hop played well on Saturday. Well, Hop played reasonably well. He got, well. He got hurt. What's, is there an update on? It was Russell that got oh, hurt. Oh, it was Russell. That's and right. So thank you. Thank it you. Was, it was Russell that got hurt, and he left with uh, with a hand injury. Eric Ayala said yesterday he anticipates Fats okay. playing tonight. tonight. Uh, Danny Manning did not offer up a whole lot there. Okay. And I think I think one of the things you, you sit there and look at, like on the one hand, you know, Russell's a guy that, Go, even going back to his days at Rhode Island, is a guy that plays a little out of control. You know, that's sort of part of who he is. I mean, the speed is essentially his greatest asset, and so there's a little bit of that recklessness that kind of goes into that. However, you know, you look at how they've tightened their rotation. We only saw Ian Martinez resurface. Weird season for him, obviously. And I, and I do kind of wonder, for him, you know, he had the concussion that he suffered in that first Northwestern game in early December and missed, missed a game and wasn't back until after Christmas. And he hasn't been the same since. And you have to certainly wonder whether or not the, the concussion has played a role in that, even if he has been cleared, uh, just because, you know, he has not been as explosive as what we saw in bits and pieces early in the season. But he resurfaced after missing two games just as DMP coach's decision. Uh, you know, he, he, you know, is he somebody that they can count on to play more than three or four minutes a game at this point? If Fats Russell doesn't play, you would have to think that he's somebody that probably will. Marcus right, Dockery right. would be a guy that might resurface into, minutes, the, into yeah. the rotation as well at that stage. So, but I think, I think, given Russell's toughness, I mean, let's give the guy credit for, for playing as reckless as he does. There is a certain level of toughness that's required there—physical toughness and mental toughness—and I, I tend to think uh, that we'll probably see a bit of him. Uh, a fair bit of him tonight. I mean, they basically need him and Ayala to play well to, to be able to keep things interesting again against a very, very good Michigan State team. And then on the local front, you and I both uh, went to Towson basketball games last week, and we saw very different things. We saw very, <laughs> yeah, very, very different things. things. Uh, you got to see a great comeback. Yep. And Charles Thompson. Stirring had, comeback. Basically the yeah. Charles Thompson game. I mean, that's what yep. that goes down. It was a twenty-two and twelve yep. for him. It was, and he, I mean, he took over every possession in and the second half. And that's really impressive for a guy that, over the course of his career, has been kind of a a, a complimentary piece. Yep. And you know, I'm sure for him, it was a, a really uh, a, a special moment for him. And I think for Towson, it's a reminder that they have guys that, when needed, they can do stuff like that. You know, Jawan Gray is a guy that could go out and get you 15 on a given night if that's what you need. Yep. So they've got those role guys that are able to do those sorts of things. I, on the other hand, got to see a game that you was. You saw a game. I got this. Well, I got <laughs> yeah, to see. Uh, I got 60% to, of a game, uh, right? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say approximately 55% of a game. Yeah. Not even that, because I because the parking situation was so bad over there. My word. That, yeah, I was. Well, no, they, they had a huge crowd for the Delaware game. They, well, no, the 1,300 or 1,500 that, or something like they, that. They, they announced 2,000 okay, or something whatever, like that. Yeah. Whatever it was, the, the parking was not good. And so I think I got in there about the 18-minute mark. Okay. Of the first half. So, I, so I got to see a little less than 20 minutes of basketball before court conditions caused a really high-end officiating crew to say, yeah, we, we need to not play anymore and risk any more injury here. Virginia <laughs> or Delaware had had a couple guys sprain, sprain ankles. One of them had been a guy that had just stepped on somebody else's foot. So that's not that's a gonna that's not, that's going right. to happen. That's not a court issue. The other one was a little iffy. So, but so, yes, we, we can add that to the list of things that we've seen. Yes, it was, You want to talk about a weird week, okay? Getting to see 
Army come back from 27 down to beat Navy. Okay, Coppin, yeah. 26 down to, to beat, beat Howard. Howard. To see Maryland go up to Rutgers and just you oh, that's right. you run the them trip. Off, yeah. the, off, the, off the floor. And then to see a game suspended like that. Yeah. Like kind of covered all it, of we're, the... We're yeah, dealing right. with the bingo. We're filling the bingo card up here. What's, uh, what's the schedule like for you this week as far as uh, games? This week, uh, tonight, will obviously be in College Park yep, for, for Michigan, Michigan State. State. Tomorrow, uh, hopefully, uh, if I get some shipping situations worked right okay. with, with, my new, with my new phone, that's um, I'm actually monitoring the, the where the UPS truck oh, is right, all right now. So I'm multitasking here. Uh, St. When, Louis. when we see Patrick duck out in the middle yeah, of a conversation with Peter Milliman, it's because he's got to race back to get his phone. Yeah, so St. Louis and George Mason tomorrow in a okay. big game for Kim English's team. Uh, Thursday, Georgetown has St. John's on campus in front of a student-only crowd. Huh. It's the first time fans will be... Somebody, somebody else did something like that. Seton Hall did. Okay. They played St. John's and they got routed. Okay. Okay, so and then Saturday... Saturday's a little bit in flux right now, so we'll move to Sunday. Providence and Georgetown. Okay. Uh, and then Monday, Navy and Lafayette uh, game down in Annapolis, getting a chance to see the mids again. And one of the many Patriot and, and League I, contenders. And I guess one note before we talk to uh, John Tillman, uh, I guess it's not going to be Bruce Pearl. Uh, it's, it's, not going going, be, it's not going to be Bruce Pearl, but I don't think anybody yeah, realistically really. thought that Maryland was going to throw more money at a coach than Auburn was going to throw at a coach. Well, I mean, sure, of course not. <laughs> but we, I don't know that we knew how much money Auburn was going to throw at the coach either. I, uh, well, Auburn has has demonstrated that it will throw a lot of money at people not to coach. That, that, so, is, a, that is a fact. That is a fact. So, no, they have locked up uh, Bruce Pearl long-term. And so scratch him off the list then is, I guess, what we say around these parts. All right, we continue along here on this year's College Lacrosse Preview Show. Patrick Stevens is with us in studio. Joining us now, head coach, University of Maryland, as uh, they get ready for the season to get underway. They also get in the early start to the season this weekend. He is Coach John Tillman, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Patrick. It's great to chat with you as always. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Thanks for having me, guys. It's great to chat with you as always. Uh, how much Ferris State football did you find yourself watching this fall? <laughs> a good amount. Um, I actually have uh, some uh, some gear in my wardrobe now. So, yeah, right. Uh, go, go Bulldogs. Uh, it was obviously very cool to see for Jared. I know the big story that everybody's talking about nationally with you guys is replacing Jared. But the, but the pride in seeing a young man live out a dream like that, knowing how close you have been with his family and and the story of him and what it meant to to try to you know do something to honor his father how much did that mean to you to see him have that opportunity um a lot you know the that family you know I showed up here in 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 the fall of 2010 you know obviously I got to know Jim uh very well and um came a guy that um you know I asked a lot of questions to learned a lot from um, in certain ways, looked at as a, a second dad and gave me a lot of advice. And, you know, and then you had Jesse was a sophomore and, and Jake was a junior. So you had a good amount of time there. Um, and it, you know, it'd been nine, 10 year relationship where, you know, you saw Mr. Bernhardt, you know, almost every week would come to practice on Friday. He'd always ask you um, if he could come and we'd always say yes. So he'd watch practice from afar. And then we'd sit and chat with him in the locker room. And um, it was always great. Um, so, um, you know, seeing Jared at a young age at that point, you know, he came to our camps and, and getting to know him and, and just even in the recruiting process, they were very open and honest, you know, they had committed to us for lacrosse, but when football seemed to go well, they, they kind of brought up, Hey, 
you know, if there are certain schools, you know, that are 1A schools that, that, that do call, you know, there might be some interest and we just want to let you know and be honest. And they were very honest with all of that. So um, everything was first class that uh, you could tell how much football's meant to that family, but also the Jared. So um, to be able to, to finally, you know, kind of pursue that and, and just the way that he did it, you know, he's very strategic. He was very humble. He wasn't worried about going to necessarily a brand school. Um, it was really about just, I have a, a year to play and I want to make sure I have every opportunity possible to get on the field with no guarantee. And he wasn't asking for a guarantee, but he was pretty strategic. So he went down to D2 um, and uh, just, you know, kind of worked and worked and worked and, you know, no, talking to him, we didn't know he was going to start and really until that, that the week before the game. With Jerry gone, I know we when we talked last month, just about, or I guess two months ago now, since it is February, uh, just kind of a, about how things were going to shake out. You know, with Superman leaving the building, there's still a lot of guys that are still around. Uh, and Logan Wisnoskis is a guy that I think you know had maybe the quietest 71 point season anybody could have possibly imagined last last year. Is he the guy you think that that will be kind of the centerpiece of this particular offense, or is it probably more fair to say? Uh, that this is going to be maybe a more balanced approach uh, given the number of veteran guys you have back? I would say balanced approach, but a lot of Logan influence um, with and without the ball. Mm -hmm. You know, just, um, you know, knowing that, you know, Jared was kind of a unique guy in that he came back and he was winning matchups and um, he was attacking top matchups. And a lot of times it's, if you're going against another team's best defenseman, sometimes it's really hard to win those matchups without maybe getting some leverage from picks and, and maybe some deception. Um, so knowing that Jared was causing so many problems against top defensemen, it, it did make other guys jobs easier because teams had to make a decision or were they going to, going to just let Jared go and he was getting to good spots and, and, and was able to finish on a, a pretty good clip or were you going to help? And obviously once you help, it opens up things for other guys. Um, I don't think we have anybody that's going to be like that. I'm not sure there's many guys like that in division one lacrosse. Um, they're hard to come by, but I think we have enough pieces that, you know, that understand what we're trying to do. Um, our smart players, um, you know, they can, you know, kind of pick their spots per se. Um, but Logan, you just feel his presence, whether it's getting us organized or he's dodging or, you know, he's moving off ball. And if you don't account for him or you give him looks from the outside or you don't cover him inside, he, he's going to get opportunities. Um, and that's what's uh, so unique about him is that he can he can beat in a lot of different ways. The season gets underway for Maryland this Saturday at noon when they host High Point. Coach John Tillman is with us on our college lacrosse preview show. Yeah, Coach, just to that point, you know, I, it, it, what Patrick's saying, there's very few programs in the country that could lose a player like Jared Bernhardt and, and come back and say, okay, yeah, but I, I think we're all right. Um, given how loaded you are, how much talent you have on the field, I, I would imagine internally there's got to be a supreme amount of confidence in what this group can do, even without having that type of player there. Well, there's experience and there's potential there. Uh, then it's a matter of, you know, making sure, you know, we reach that potential and also making sure that, you know, we stay detail oriented. Um, you know, we make sure that, you know, we just don't assume it's going to happen, making sure that we're really pushing and challenging ourselves. And, um, you know, we stay true to who we are and what we need to do. 
Um, so I think our guys have done a pretty good job of that. I think there's a, a pride in what these guys do every day and making sure that they live up to, to their end of the bargain uh, with their teammates and, you know, making sure that, hey, I keep my head up. If I do get a slide, I can move the ball um, and I'm unselfish, but also without the ball, I'm, I'm either clearing space or I'm cutting. I'm an outlet when I need to be. Um, so there's some accountability there to each other that I think the guys have done a good job so far. And, you know, without Jared, hopefully there's going to be a need for, and I know there will be, but guys, you know, ready to step up and wanting to step up and, and feeling like, hey, I, I get a little bit more of the ability to drive the car at times, which, which is pretty cool. When you look at how last season unfolded, there were a lot of teams that, that were very aggressive in chasing grad transfers. You kind of had some, some complimentary pieces, Griffin Brown in particular, who had a, a really good season for you, and Eric Holden this year. Uh, maybe a little bit more aggressive in, in chasing guys like that, like a Keegan Kahn from Villanova or a Jonathan Donville from, from Cornell. Uh, first off, how, how much of an impact can you foresee those two guys having, but, but also just how significant is it for you guys to be as active in the grad transfer uh, segment of the portal as you were this year? Yeah, I think you're, um, you're always, I think you owe it to the program to, to find ways to make the program better and find ways to, to, to kind of better put our best foot forward. So when you're looking at those players, you know, you're, you're not just looking at talent, you're, you're looking what else they bring to the table. Um, And when you, you know, you mentioned Keegan and John, um, you know, the pretty accomplished players, um, you know, from what they've done in college lacrosse, um, but the type of guys they are. And when you start talking to people, you know, just the, the, the way they're wired, you know, very determined, very hardworking, very selfless, um, self-starters. Um, you know, Keegan was a guy we did recruit the first time around. He was a, a late bloomer. Um, and we, you know, he just kind of grew late. He became the player. Um, that he was in college kind of late in high school and we kind of waited, waited, waited. And, you know, you're, you're trying not to bring in too many, but you also are looking for those, you know, those gems that maybe um, did blossom late and we were waiting, we're waiting and we just weren't sure. Um, and, you know, he decides to do a PG year and then he goes to Villanova and, you know, have played against him. We were really impressed with him. Um, and not only are those two kids very, you know, good players and good people and very driven players, they're excellent students. So you're, you're bringing in somebody that's just much more than a hired gun. Like, you know, younger players look at those guys and, you know, they're mature, they're disciplined with their approach. They have good daily habits. They take care of school. So now you're hoping that that type of mindset rubs off on the younger players, not only for this year, but, you know, those kids take away the things they learn from those role models and that impacts them over their career. So um, when we look at that, it's much more than just grabbing a guy that can score goals. You're, you're trying to make sure it's the right fit. They value what we value. Um, and, and there's got to be, at least in my opinion, if it is a grad transfer, you better think that they can provide something and there's a fit and there's a really good chance that they can earn that playing time. You can't guarantee it because it's not fair to the kids in your roster. But if you bring in a guy and he doesn't play, in my opinion, that creates a really tricky situation um, because that guy, you know, knowing he could look at a lot of different places, if he's not playing, could be, you know, very disappointed and can, can become a distraction. So you're, you have to be strategic. Um, you have to do your homework. Um, 
and we feel like we were very lucky with, um, you know, Griffin and Eric last year, and we feel very fortunate about the guys we have this year. Coach Sean Tillman is with us here in our College Lacrosse Preview Show. Coach, I, I get the sense that, like, for example, your fan base was able to move on from the national title game and that sting a little bit easier than they have in the past because you guys won a title a few years back. And I don't know, you know how it impacts you, but these aren't the same players, right? These aren't guys that can fall back and say, well, hey, we, you know, we've won a national title, no big deal. How have your players handled the sting of that and, and that disappointment? Have they... Have they used it to fuel them? Hey, we were this close when you get over the hump. Has there been, you know, times where they felt sorry for themselves? You've had to deal with like what? What has that been like? Sort of the mental aspect of the sting of losing the title game the way that you guys did a year ago. I think any time, and you're seeing it with the NFL right now. I, I think there's a little bit of all that. Um, you know, I think it's human nature. Um, you know, you, you have to be tricky. Um, you know, as a coach, because when you come back in, in August, September, regardless of how the year went, if it went better than expected or worse than expected, or, you know, there was some disappointment or you win that last game, you do have to reset. Um, and you have to be careful, you know, when you lose a game like that, um, you can use it as motivation, um, you know, at times, um, but you got to be careful of, you know, kind of dwelling on that. Yeah and constantly bring it up because it is a new year and, and that opportunity is gone. The game's not coming back. Um, but yeah, you hope that maybe the guys can reflect back on the way they felt and that does drive them at times. Um, but if you use it too much, I, I do think it can be a little unhealthy. Um, so again, you know, those games we're seeing it, you know, the last two weeks in the NFL, there's so many things that go into winning that last game. There's so many plays um, so you're just trying to value, you know, the teaching that you provide and, you know, situational awareness and, you know, remind the guys how important every play is in a game, not just the last one. For as much attention as, as your offensive end gets, and rightfully so, it seems like defensively you have a lot of established answers coming back. Obviously Nick Grill departs, uh, but Matt Rahill is back. Brett Makar is back on the close defense. Logan McNaney back in the cage. Uh, I know a guy that you mentioned uh, to me, Ajax Zapatello was a guy that's emerging and could be a pretty valuable piece of that defense. And a bunch of short sticks like Roman Puglis and Alex Smith are, are back as well. How how good do you feel about that unit uh, and, and, and how those kind of pieces fit together? Well, you, you always love experience, um, you know, just because they've been through it, you know. So I think we all feel more comfort with somebody that you've seen go out there because you know that they've, you know, gotten some reps under their belt and they're not going to have maybe the first time jitters, but you also realize even though they've been through it, it still goes back to execution and you've got to be razor sharp down there. Um, you know, you've got to make sure that you're buttoned up. You got to communicate well and you can't just expect it to happen. So um, that group is pretty driven. Um, you know, they're guys that, you know, they, they do their preparation very, very well. Uh, Coach Bernhardt does a great job with Coach Kennedy um, at that end of the field. You know, Jesse being a former uh, Maryland defensive player and a very, very good one and still one of the better defensemen out there, there's a sense of pride from him that it kind of trickles down to everybody else and everybody feels that. So I know he, what he expects Maryland defense to be. Um, it's something that drives him every day. And to have those guys, 
you know, like a, a Roman, a Higgins, a Ray Hill, a Maycar, you know, that, that are now either seniors or in their fifth year. Like they, they know what the expectations are. They know what the standards are. Um, and again, guys that are good role models for a guy like Ajax, you know, that he can watch and look and go, okay, these guys are our best guys. Why? Um, so hopefully those, you know, habits, that mindset does trickle down. Cause I think Ajax embodies a lot of what those guys were when they were younger. And I think they can see themselves in them, in them. So, uh, in him. So I think there's, you know, like good chemistry down there. Um, again, every year is different. So you have to remind them we're starting all over again. Um, I really felt like we missed Jake Higgins down the stretch last year. Um, he's just a, a really tough, gritty, um, you know, just athletic guy that can, you know, not only play on the ball, but play off the ball, help you in clearing, help you in transition. So we're excited that he's back. Uh, we're excited that Roman came back for his fifth year and got, he's getting a master's in finance. So, um, you know, you have those short stick position, uh, position and, and everybody picks on those guys. So to have some guys that have been through that, it does help. And then when you have guys like Ray Hill and Makar that are kind of communicating the defense, you, you got a lot of good things going, regardless of some of the maybe newer parts around them. And then you complement that with Logan, who who now really has a good season, and you could say basically a full season under his belt with last year, and then you add two from the 2020 season. You know he's been around, um, so again, it gives you a little bit of comfort, especially with different clearing aspects and, and things like that, or if a team goes on a run, you know he can bounce back. John, we've talked to a lot of coaches today about guys coming back for that, that bonus year, and I know some of those guys, like a Logan Wisnoskis, were on board with doing that immediately, basically. There's other guys, like a Bubba Ferriman and an Anthony DeMeo, that maybe took their time. How did you kind of deal with those sorts of decisions that, that, that played themselves out maybe longer than, than you would necessarily anticipate into the summer and maybe even into the fall? Yeah, we, um, you know, you know, kind of going back to that, that game, you know, last year emotionally was such a draining year. And, and again, I'm super proud of our guys, whether, you know, we, we made the playoffs or not, or, you know, you know, made that last game or lost or won that last game. I look at what the kids went through with daily testing, you know, at 8 a.m. every morning and, um, you know, bubbling up and, and, and kind of separating themselves from friends and family and, and really bunkering in and making a lot of sacrifices. Um, I was really proud of what those guys, you know, did last year uh, because it, it, there were a lot of challenging choices where, you know, guys, it would have been easy to say, hey, it's Saturday night, I want to go see my friends and family. And guys were, you know, just kind of bunkering in and, and, and trying to, you know, stay healthy and not, you know, obviously get COVID and spread it to the team, things like that. Um, so I think for us at the end, guys were drained. Um, they gave all they could, and that's why I'm so proud of them. Um, so with guys with the extra year, what I've found is that you really have to want to come back for that fifth year for all the right reasons. And, and, and that's sometimes not an easy choice. Um, and you know, you're exhausted from the last four years. There's a lot of things to think about. There's financial implications. Um, you know, do you put your life on hold? Um, you know, do what type of degree are you going to get? Um, you know, so there's a lot that the guys and their families have to decide to do, but you just don't want them to come back for a victory tour. Um, so you got to give the guys the time, at least that's my feeling on it. So, 
Um, you know, we didn't know what Bubba was going to do till the end of the summer. And I felt like we owed him that. And, and that's where I felt like, you know, John Donville and Keegan Khan became important because we just didn't know what was going to happen with Anthony and Bubba. And we just couldn't wait and, and find out that maybe we weren't going to get those guys back, especially when we had an opportunity just to bring in again, some, some great student athletes, some experienced guys, some high character guys. So, uh, we felt like we were going to protect ourselves um, and just some experience down there. Um, so we did that, um, and we were excited to hear that Bubba wanted to come back. And then Anthony was a guy that you know took a little bit longer. He spent um, the fall, a lot of the fall out in California, um, and then he decided to come back, and we're thrilled to have him back. Um, so it, to me, it just showed like you just needed to have some patience and, you know, you truly do as teachers, you want what's best for the guys, not what's best for me, um, what's best for them and, um, putting pressure on them and, and playing any of those games. Like it just wasn't the right thing to do. You just needed to give them some space and time. Um, yep. By, by having a couple of other guys come in, it did protect us so that regardless of what they decided, we just felt like we had a good group coming back. He is Coach John Tillman. The season gets underway Saturday at noon against High Point. Coach, appreciate taking the time as always. We'll be in touch. Look forward to chatting with you as the year goes on. Good luck. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Coach John Tillman from Maryland checking in with us here on our College Lacrosse Preview Show. Uh, how about that non-conference schedule, by the way? It's not. It's High Point Saturday, then Loyola, then at Syracuse, then Princeton, then at Notre Dame, then Albany, then a neutral site game against Virginia. Nowhere to hide there. Whew. I mean, they're pretty good, so they're I don't think they'd be good. looking to they're hide. Not, they're not looking to yeah, hide. Yeah, I don't think they'd be looking to hide, but my word, there is that is a loaded non-conference schedule that Maryland will be playing this season. Appreciate John Tillman taking the time for us. If you haven't picked up the best of issue of PressBox yet, it is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox or read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. Justin Tucker, our MoGab, a sports person of the year, is on the cover. Again, go pick it up right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Well, last but uh, certainly not least today, the final coach that's going to be on our hot seat on our college lacrosse preview show is the head coach of the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays. He is Peter Milliman, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Patrick. It's great to chat with you as always. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Sure, man. Thanks for having me. It's great to chat with you, Coach. Um, give me an idea. Obviously, last season was very difficult for everybody, but but you guys in particular. However, we saw at the end of the year your group really put things together. How confident are you that what we saw there at the end of last season is what Johns Hopkins lacrosse is going to be now moving forward. Um, you know, I don't really have any, uh, any to reference last year. It, it was, uh, you know, challenging some seasons and uh, we made some good progress, but, you know, this is a, an entirely new team. It's a new group, new dynamic, it's a new season. Um, you know, we'll start back at the beginning. This is nothing uh, about picking up where we left off or anything like that. So, um, you know, we're just working on uh, on getting to know each other and figuring out what, what works best for us and, and, and trying to make as much progress as we can throughout the year. I, I imagine that simply having a, something resembling a normal fall, normal off-season, all of that, uh, had to be of immense value uh, for for you guys. How has that kind of unfolded for you, and, and, and has that been sort of what you envision a normal off-season being for you guys? 
Yeah, it was. I guess it was as close to uh, normal as you're going to get. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still some stuff we have to deal with, but but not uh, not near as much as as we had to go through last year. So, um, yeah, it was vital. You know, you you know can't expect a team to perform uh, to their to their best if they don't get the opportunity to you know work together and and, and learn and grow together. And and so, um, you know, we uh, we've gotten a lot of a lot of great stuff in this fall. A lot of good. Uh, you know, team building experiences, a lot of good on field experience, um, you know, embracing some challenges, learning about each other. Um, you know, we're, we're getting to the beginning of a season here where we feel like, um, you know, we've, we've made progress so far this year. And that's, that's maybe one of the biggest differences, um, about having the fall is that, you know, it's hard to feel like you've really made a lot of progress when you haven't had a chance to have a lot of those experiences. So yeah, we're, 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 we're getting there and, and we're excited for, for the next challenge. With that in mind, coach, and Patrick brought this up earlier with Charlie Toomey, it, it seems like you are one of the, the programs a little bit more unique, right? And that the significance of there being a crowd again and there being an atmosphere at Homewood Field. And I know you, you kind of really haven't even had the opportunity to taste that yet as uh, the head coach, Johns Hopkins, I get that it's significant for everyone, but do you feel like it might be particularly unique and significant for your program? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would hope so. I know it's uh, a unique uh, game day atmosphere around here. It's, it's you know, the best venue in the sport, and, and we're excited about having some fans and some families back um, on campus and back at Homewood to uh, experience it with us. So, um, you know, I, you're right. I haven't I haven't had a lot of it uh, as, as the head coach here. You know, we had a lot of opportunity – um, to to play and and to compete, but not a lot to experience the the you know full game day atmosphere that uh, comes with Homewood Field. So um, you know we're looking forward to it. It was nice to get a scrimmage in last week where we had some fans. It was the most fans we've played together in front of in in over uh, a year and a half, maybe almost two years. So um, you know we're we're excited to get people back at Homewood. Offensively, year two in, in in your system for Connor D. Simone and, and Joey Epstein seems like those two guys uh, are certainly two of the more established guys you have. Just how how comfortable do you feel like they are at, at this point, and, and do you feel like they're they're poised to take a jump from even what they were able to accomplish last season? Yeah, definitely. I think there's some pro- there's some progress been made, and and you know they're understanding the system a bit more and understanding. You know, a lot of the personnel was new for us last year. And so, you know, with new head coach, new offensive coordinator, you know, those things take time working on a language and, and uh, understanding some, some you know, fundamentals and some, uh, you know, basics that we that we operate by. But, um, you know, again, a lot of the work that was, that was going in the fall and, and, and the progress that we've made up till now, um, yeah, I'm excited for, for what they can do. They've got a lot of uh, development still, and they're excited about that. They, they work very hard. They're, they're, they're definitely going to be two of the guys that lead us this year. Season gets underway for Johns Hopkins this Saturday as they host Jacksonville at noon at Homewood Field. Peter Milliman is with us here on GCR. Coach, uh, another name that we didn't get to see a year ago. What what do you, should we know about Jared Fernandez, the Syracuse transfer who didn't get to play, and, and how impactful could he be for this team? Uh, Jared's a great young man, works really hard. He's uh, he's athletic. Um you know, he's a tough kid. Uh, you know, I'm excited to get him out there. I'm excited to give him an opportunity to compete. Um, you know, he's, he's doing everything he can to, uh, to, to be a great and, and give us an opportunity to be successful. So, um, we'll, we'll be excited about Jared when, uh, when we see him, but it's been, it's been a long road for him. So I know it's, uh, Sometimes it can be tough. In year one for you, obviously the schedule was made by the conference this year. Uh, I'm 
kind of curious as to as to how your scheduling philosophy is kind of borne out here. Interested to see a couple of those Friday Saturday or Friday Sunday combinations early on. Obviously, mm-hmm. the 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 Towson Georgetown weekend and later the Navy Delaware weekend. What what kind of was your thinking as you as you went into that, and how do you kind of envision your ideal schedule? Kind of obviously as a mix, probably of, of some traditional rivals, but also sort of how you construct go about constructing it. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to play the best teams in the country. I want Johns Hopkins to have, uh, you know, the the toughest schedule. I want, you know, the fans to come to Homewood to see the best contest they can. Um, you know, Friday Sunday matchups are uh, an opportunity to 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 keep some games off of Tuesday and Wednesday nights, um, but also an opportunity to present some challenges for the team that may be unique outside of playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's 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 really born out of uh, an opportunity to 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 challenge and, and develop the team uh, the best way we can uh, throughout the year. You know, as I look at, at some of the foundations for your team, I, I would think that you probably have to have a, a significant amount of confidence in what you're doing at the faceoff dot. And considering how well Matt played, particularly down the stretch last season, and again, I, we acknowledge it's a different year, I, I got to imagine that's something that you've got a lot of confidence in going into this season. Uh, I, I like Matt. I like Matt Naruski a whole lot. Um, we got a good group there. There's some experience. There's some some younger guys competing as well. I think um, you know w- when we spend as much time and, and Coach Kester is an excellent faceoff coach. Um, you know as, as we really can, we we are going to develop uh, into a pretty competitive group, and, and I'm I'm excited for what we can do with that uh, that position. But you know we're we're just at the beginning, so it's it's new tests this year. Last year we only played five other teams and. Most of them have uh, the same face-off guy or two uh, the second time right. around you play him or even the third time around you play him. So, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of new challenges to this this year, and, and um, it's not going to be easy by any stretch. But um, I do like that group. I think Matt is, is one of the tougher, uh, you know, guys I've worked with in that position. I'm pretty excited about him. Similar question, different position. Uh, T- Tim Marseille started uh, four games for you down the stretch uh, in the cage. Josh Kirsten obviously had nine starts for you. How do you kind of see that goalie situation looking as your opener approaches this weekend? Uh, I mean, as, as as always at any position, we're going to do what's, what's best for the team and what helps us uh, find some success. Um, I think there's been a great competition uh, with those guys this year. Last year we only had three, and, and for a part of it we only had two. Um, you know, competing because we had some uh, some injury issues, but you know now we've had four guys consistently, and I think they're really elevating the level and and playing off each other, and that competition is is going to help us throughout the year. So we're excited for um, you know those guys to uh, you know push to be their best every day and and see what we can do on game day to. Um, to, to be successful. All right, it all gets underway this Saturday again at noon at Homewood Field when Johns Hopkins hosts Jacksonville for the season opener and then, as Patrick alluded to, the weekend following at Towson and at Georgetown before returning home to face Loyola. Coach Peter Milliman, appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for, it, uh, for us this morning. Look forward to chatting with you as the season goes on. Best of luck all year. Thank you. Appreciate it. Coach Peter Milliman from Johns Hopkins wrapping up our college lacrosse preview this morning. Uh, last team for us to get a thumbnail on would be Johns Hopkins. For you, what's the thumbnail for the Blue Jays? Well, first, let me mention that the Big Ten just released its preseason poll for, okay. for men's across. Maryland picked first, Rutgers, then Hopkins third, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State okay. to close things out. You know, I think, you know, even though uh, even though we kind of brushed aside a little bit there, uh, I think the continuity issue is, is really important for them. Uh, you know, last year they looked like a team that, that had a new staff and hadn't played under – hadn't had a fall. 
early on. That first half of the season, really even into the sixth, seventh game or so, was rough. They played competitively against Rutgers. Later on, they played a decent game against Ohio State, played great against Maryland at Homewood up until the last two minutes, and then obviously played very well in the Big Ten tournament, winning two games and very nearly winning a third and, and finding a way into the into the NCAA tournament. So I think that it's a, it's a Hopkins team that clearly – uh, is going to enjoy that extra continuity in both offensively and defensively. I think defensively there's probably a little further to go for them uh, than from from where they were last year. But that said, you know, I think that there's opportunities there. We talked about that with the schedule, and he obviously, Peter Milliman, wants to have a lot of high-end games uh, for Hopkins to play, and there's no shortage of those. Uh, when you look at this year's schedule, they play Carolina, they play Syracuse, uh, they play Georgetown, they yep. play Navy, they play Delaware, they play Towson, uh, they play a full Big Ten schedule, and I'm probably leaving some. Princeton probably is yes. in there too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Loyola, uh, don't want to forget about them. So, it, it is, there is. There, Actually, Princeton is not in there. Princeton is not in there. No. Okay, I must have forgotten somebody yeah. from the first weekend of March or something like that. So, Virginia, Virgi- Syracuse. Virginia, yeah. Virginia is yeah. who Virginia's I left. Virginia is a pretty, I had, yeah. I had, I had, that's, I, that's noteworthy. Right. So, in, in any case, I, I think Princeton had been on their schedule for 100 years or something right. like that before this. So uh, um, that's only a slight exaggeration, I feel like. But in any case, you know, I think it's a Hopkins team that's better. How much better, it's probably sure. going to take a little while to see. Uh, but there's, I also expect that that early competition to really help them down the road. And I think, you know, you mentioned Fernandez coming in from Syracuse, somebody that's going to help them out at the defensive end. If they figure out the goalie situation, uh, and, uh, you know, and like I said, you know, kind of Marcel was a guy that played better for them late last season. I, I think if that situation is settled, it'll probably settle them down. It's not necessarily the only thing that matters for them, but just a little bit of stability probably helps at that position. All right. Uh, as we want, if, you, if you're hearing me use the words wind down and you say, that's weird, it's 1121, why would you be saying those words? Uh, it's because you weren't with us. We actually started today's show a bit early. We started at 9 o'clock this morning. So, yes, we are winding down a bit earlier than we typically do. We'll have a normal full show coming up tomorrow. We'll talk more about the Tom Brady thing, I, I guess. I don't really know what else I have to say about it, but we'll do all that. Um, we are going to wind down for today's show. First of all, I, I like to play this game, uh, Patrick, with Cassidy now, where I ask her what she learned at the end of today's show because I want this to be a learning internship. So, And we also have Cassidy fans in the audience. So um, I, hand her that microphone if you don't mind. Cassidy, the important question, we put you on the spot. What did you learn today? Oh, um, I learned a lot about D1 lacrosse. Okay, I but you say that. That's too broad. You okay. have to tell me something specific that you learned today. Um, I actually just learned after talking with the head coach at Loyola. Charlie Toomey, yes. Yeah, I just spoke. When I was speaking with him outside, I literally just learned that they're actually just starting online classes or um, in-person classes this semester. Okay. So the way that um, their school was running in Baltimore is a lot different than what Stevenson was running their program. And apparently they weren't even allowed to be in their locker rooms for a while, which but is much I, different. I think we can us. say before, before uh, we started our conversation with Charlie Toomey, we were just sort of having some small talk and he was like, finally back in the locker. <laughs> <laughs> and you could sense that that, uh, that was certainly something that he was uh, happy about. I, so that's good. You enjoyed that con- You enjoyed chatting with Charlie Toomey this did. morning. I don't yeah. blame you. Charlie Toomey is a wonderful person to <laughs> chat with, so I don't blame you at all. All right. We'll let that pass as something that you learned today. We'll allow that to slide. Uh, remind everybody where you are on social media, Cassidy. 
Um, Instagram, Cassidy underscore Elizabeth 22, and then Twitter, Cassidy Butler 5. All right, very good. Thank you for your help this morning with that as we had uh, Coach Toomey coming in. Uh, we got a tidbit? We doing tidbit today? We, uh, Paul? We do have a tidbit. All right, we'll give it a shot. Tidbit of the day is brought to you today by Live Casino and Hotel. Of course, the FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Uh, if you want to be there for the big game, email events at sportssocialmd.com right now to reserve your spot. All right, the state of Maryland has been represented in the NCAA Lacrosse National Championship game 38 times, winning 13 national titles. No other state has been represented more than 23 times. That's New York, 16 by Syracuse and 7 by Cornell. Which Maryland schools have accounted for the 38 oh. trips, and can you name the number of championships for each school? Well, that's actually a good question for Patrick. I don't. Okay, so you're talking 38. They've been the 30, 38 uh, Maryland mm. Maryland schools have been in the national championship game in lacrosse. But okay. but you're you're to, you're looking for how, the the total number of appearances for each school. You don't have to do that. You can just say which. which well, that's um, too easy. If we okay. just say which schools, I mean, it, it doesn't. He, he definitely wanted the number per number of championships. Number of championships. Yeah, and that's okay. per, per that's an actual challenge. So let's so let's start let's start here. Like I can help you out. Loyola's got one. Loyola has one yeah, in 2012. I can, I can help that on is, that. that and correct. also and has also been to the final four in 1990, 1998 and 2016 if yeah. I recall correctly. Yeah. They have also lost a national championship. In 19, in he's he's only specifically got oh, the championship, oh, championship game. championship game. 19, yeah. 1990 was the championship game lost. First to Syracuse. To Syracuse, yes. Uh Towson has played in a national championship game. They are. They they have. They have. They have not won though. Not won. No. Navy played in the national championship game against Syracuse. What year was 2004, that? Two thousand four. But yep. they also played in one in the nineteen seventies as well. That I is correct. Seventy five. They are zero and two in the national championship. Maryland has three victories in the national championship game in nineteen seventy three, seventy five, and two thousand seventeen. That is correct. And they've lost the most with twelve. Yeah, losses. man. <laughs> Including and last year. And then Johns Hopkins, if I recall right, the number is 10 for Johns Hopkins. Is it 9? It's 9. So it's 1974, uh, 1978, 79, 80, 1984, 85, 87, 2005, and 2007. 2007. Yeah, I couldn't believe it had been since 2007. I felt like I watched them in it every single year, but I couldn't believe it. They they won two out of three, obviously, there. Uh, Wow, not bad. Not bad. Not bad. They were nine and they are nine and nine in national championship games. They have the second most losses in the history of the national championship yeah, only game. Behind. Syracuse at ten and six has the has the best record in the national championship game lacrosse. There you go. There you go. That's not doesn't surprise me, by the way, even remotely. Doesn't remotely surprise me that Patrick did that well with that. Not even a little bit. Impressive. All right. Uh, a tubular brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. Last night, Stan hosted a baseball roundtable conversation. If you haven't seen it, go to facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash video, and you can check it out there. Tonight, as uh, Patrick alluded to, Maryland-Michigan State, 7 o'clock on ESPN2. Big Ten hoops tonight on the Big Ten Network. Rutgers-Northwestern at 7, Nebraska-Michigan at 9. Uh, Wizards-Bucks at 7.30 on TNT. Nets-Suns at 10 on TNT. NBC Sports-Washington Capitals-Penguins at 7. ESPN Plus and Hulu for Panthers-Rangers at 7. Sabres-Golden Knights at 10 in the USA Network for WWE NXT at 8. The rest of the college hoops you can find at glennclarkradio.com. Anything that stands out non-sports-wise? Um, some of your favorite shows, Abbott Elementary. Oh, I do enjoy um, that program. American Auto and Grand Crew are on tonight at 8 and 8.30. Um, that's... 
that's really basic. All right, everything else, glennclarkradio.com. Very good. At Discourse, D1S Course is how you follow Patrick on Twitter. Of course, he'll be at Maryland tonight and uh, hoops and, and lacrosse for the next couple of months. Patrick, appreciate it as always, my friend. Thanks for coming in and hanging out with us. Thanks so much for having me as always. Uh, again, a normal uh, GCR coming up. Oh, thanks to all of the get the coaches that joined us today. Joe Amplo from Navy, Sean Nadalin from Towson, Charlie Toomey from Loyola, Ryan Moran from UMBC, John Tillman from Maryland. Peter Milliman from Johns Hopkins will get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Tomorrow on the program, uh, you know, speaking of Navy, Diego Fago is going to join us tomorrow. Uh, he is down at the East-West Shrine Bowl this week. And, uh, of course, he had that monster performance to, uh, to lift them to the win over Army. And hopefully a guy who's working his way towards having an opportunity in the NFL and uh, stuff and things tomorrow on the show. Anything else we got uh, nailed down? Um, yeah, we, we we have a uh, Tyler Dragon. He's going to come on. Oh and talk right, about okay. He covered the um, he covers the Bengals and he covered both the um, yeah both USA Today NFL games. writer. Sure. Yeah. All right. Very good. Um, okay, that's uh, that'll do it. Thanks everybody. At Press box. All of our great sponsors and partners, including. CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Exxon Mobil, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Duffy's Garage and Baldwin, Window Depot, your local Toyota dealer, and buyathoda.com, and my bookie. Thanks to Paul Valley. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great, great Tuesday night. Um, uh, and, and we'll talk to you. We'll have a normal show for you tomorrow. We'll talk to you then.